When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live. Yeah. All right, guys, we're back for another edition of Talking Preps. I have some of the crew here. I think everybody's going to be here before uh, too long, um, but I do have the guru is back in the building. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm feeding his face right now. <laughs> <laughs> we got Jack Leary as a guest. Go to bed. Guest host with us. We'll talk to Jack in a little bit. And as soon as I can find the theme music, we'll get started. <laughs> All right, we're back with Talking Preps. Uh, I want to kind of get right to a little bad news there. Richmond County has a kid. Uh, well, actually, before I get to that, what is this picture saying? What is that there? What is it? Yeah, what is that? Arr. Arr. <laughs> is that Johnny Depp? That his, Johnny whole, Depp? his whole family dressed up. You didn't get I the one with his whole trying, family. I, I think he is going for the Johnny Depp look. And that, that kind of it doesn't surprise me actually. I'm sorry, Sam was here. I was making fun of him. I was hoping he was going to be on, on the screen. And I was making fun of him. I thought that was cool. I hope everybody had a great um, Halloween. Uh, but then I want to ask you about. We heard earlier today about a kid in Richmond County, Bobby Little, who uh, is basically fighting for his life with cancer right now in UNC Hospital. He played nine games for Richmond County. He had seven sacks. Uh, was doing really well. Um, what do you have to say about this kid? And on the screen, guys, as a uh, the, the uh, link to the GoFundMe page where you can uh, send send them some money he and his family as they fight this battle. I don't know what to say, Langston. It's a it's a heartbreaking thing to hear. I didn't know about it until Bryce made us aware of it earlier today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was a contributor on the team. It's great that uh, you know he was able to play and. Wanting to play, uh, but like I said, I, I, you know, I don't know. I'm at a loss for words other than uh, it, it's a it's a heart wrenching thing to yeah. any, to hear about any young person. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Grayson, how'd you hear about this young man today? I mean, you know, I've got a good relationship with Coach Till. Shout out to Coach uh, Chris Campoletta, the uh, newly appointed DC this year for uh, the Richmond County Raiders. Um, and you know, we kind of talk back and forth, you know, during the during the season. And you know, when he speaks up about something real, you know, we banner back and forth. But this is one thing he said: Look, like this kid's been really going through this. Our team has been going through this. Another lesson where I, you know, always tell people: You never know what a team's going through. And I know Richmond County has received a lot of flack. This is something that they've really kind of been dealing with for a while. 
the kid, you know, finding out, you know, just recently. But, you know, this is the type of kid that doesn't want people to know, doesn't want any excuse. And I think kind of goes with that no-nonsense, no-excuse nature that Coach Brian Till, you know, leads with that. But, you know, I really wanted to, you know, highlight this and just say, man, that, that community, those kids are all A1 first-class kids. So, I just wanted to highlight this and make sure people were aware of that, you know, and again, sorry, you know, if people, you know, kind of feel like this is a little ham-handed or whatever, but this is a kid really going through some stuff and I felt it was important for us. No, not at all. Not very important. important. Yeah. yeah. Very important. Not, definitely not heavy-handed. Um, just again, the, the, the links on the screen, you guys can donate money as you know, you know, any type of cancer battle, medical battle, going to the hospital, you know, all of a sudden it's going to be very expensive. Uh, Richmond County is going to play Holly Springs at eight and two this Friday. I'm sure they're going to have a heavy heart, uh, but I'm hopefully they can you know rally and, and, and play well for their teammates. So best of luck to Richmond County and best of luck, best of luck to Bobby Lowe and his family. Um, and with that, I, I want to welcome uh, Jack Leary to the show. Uh, Chris, you're familiar with this young man. Yeah, man, I've I've had Jack working uh, with my um, podcast and with NC Preps and things that I've done over the years. Um, good friend of mine, a friend of all of ours, Brian Hanks, who, who is uh, a Northwestern North Carolina guy uh, from up in Wilkes County, has worked, you know, in Gaston County, Lincoln County, uh, has been a sports editor and the news editor for the Kinston Free Press for a long time. Uh, Brian turned me on to Jack many, many years ago. Of course, I knew Jack's dad very well. Eric Leary used to be the head football coach at White Oak before that mm. was a uh, a top assistant at Southwest Onslow during their big times. Uh, but Brian told me that Jack is going to be the next big deal. And and this Jack was only like in the eighth grade, maybe when Brian told me that. Uh, but everything that the prophecy of Brian Hanks has told me has turned out to be true. I think Jack is going to be as good as he wants to be in any line of work, whether he wants to go work for ESPN or Fox or whatever. I think Jack's going to be uber successful, and I'm happy to have him with us. But, Jack, I got to tell you, I saw your All-State teams and stuff you're doing more in basketball. And I was like, this dude must be like 35, you know, professional, was really doing it for a while. And I talked to you on the phone, you tell me you're 16 years old. How'd you get started doing this stuff? Well, like uh, Chris said, I kind of grew up in a sports home. My dad was a high school football coach at White Oak, and now he's at Richlands where I go to school. Um, I kind of got attached to Brian Hanks and Brian North, who's a news anchor around here that runs the local uh, football news uh, show called The Blitz. And then I actually got uh, to have a relationship with Chris the Bear Felica that's on college game day. Um, I became uh, kind of pen pals with him, and he gave me some inspiration to start my own podcast. And then from there, I got into graphic design and now photography and videography and stuff like that. Chris, look at this guy's work, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there's no question. I have seen this young guy very much like Chelsea and even Kenzie with before her. Uh, you know, I've seen these kids grow into – mature adults in front of my eyes and you know I, that's why i have no problem and had no problem telling you whatsoever that he's going to excel or whatever venture he goes forth in life because i just see what he does and, and he's just got amazing work ethic amazing talent and a good eye for sports yeah absolutely absolutely well jack welcome on we're going to put you to work tonight sir break it down the eastern half of the bracket but before we get to that we got to find out who Grice picked as his Grice's gems. Oh, Langston, Langston. Hold on, Langston. I got some flack. I got a five seconds here. I got some flack for my backup running back, Jeremiah Jones. Had like a 22-carry, 230-yard game, two touchdowns. Uh -huh. I got yelled at all practice. He told me I was terrible. I was the worst coach he's ever had. <laughs> I didn't highlight him. Sorry you didn't make Grice's gems. You are always a gem to me, Jeremiah. All right, let's run it. All right. Great ball player. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go, Grice's gems.
Hey, we've got another edition of Grice's Gems. I got GG here. Got my man Sam Griner here with me. We culminate with week 11 of the regular season. The last week had some big-time performances in some big-time spots as we get ready to get into our second season, the playoff edition. So without further ado, let's get into it. First, we're going to go to Greensboro, to Andrew Atmore out of Dudley. The junior quarterback in a 51-13 win over Eastern Guilford was 19 of 27 passing for 290 yards and six touchdowns. Also had two two-point conversion runs. You know, Coach Antonio Hall, the offensive coordinator, definitely wants a field general here, and I think Atmore is this. Griner, talk about what you see here. Well, the guy that gives his athletes a great chance at making plays. He puts it in a position where they only can make the play. If there's a taller receiver, he's throwing the ball up in the air, they're going to get it. He knows his team well, and you can see the evidence evidence of this throughout the end part of the season. Beginning part of the season, they didn't quite know what to do necessarily. Now you're seeing them hitting their stride come playoff time. You know, that's kudos to their OC, quarterback understanding what his athletes can do, and it's, they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs, no doubt. Oh, definitely. Big time stuff here. Let's move forward again to a familiar face, a guy we've given the call to before, Mason Avery out of West Lincoln. And a 49-48 double overtime win over Lincolnton. You know, if they played that long, you know he filled the stat sheet. So give me, the, give me this grinder. For us 34 times for 283 yards, had one catch, of course, for 16 yards, totaling five touchdowns on offense. No, he plays both ways. I got to give you the defensive side. Had 12 tackles, two tackles for a loss, and a sack. We're not done. We're finished with the season. His 2,367 yards rushing is a Lincoln County single season record. I mean, that's like a triple layer of Grice's gems right there. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my kind of guy, the bell cow. That going carrying it nearly almost – touching the ball nearly almost 40 times. <laughs> I mean, I mean both sides of the ball. I love that. And I mean, that's, you know, Yeah, that that's what I'm saying. I know Mama's ringing the cowbell and had the phone. I'm surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if this was her video uh, as we talked to her about. So excited! Another ice bath guy. Another ice yeah, bath guy. Definitely, definitely ice bath guy. Big time performance by a big time guy that we've saluted before. So the double Jim Mason Avery. Glad to have you back on here. Let's head out east to Scotland County. Ooh, it's been the first time we've been able to say this in a while. Scotland County again. Carter Ravel is our the quarterback. Completed 10 of 16 passes for 161 yards and three touchdowns and a 22-21 win at, win at Richmond Senior. His touchdown pass with less than two minutes left closed the lead to 21-19, where Richmond was still up. And then, in a dramatic fashion, Ravel caught the game-winning two-point conversion on a Philly special play from teammate Caden Graves. Scotland won, you know, again on a night. Richmond's defense played well. Held you know, Richmond held Scotland to 29 yards rushing while, and ran for 303 of its own. But we're focused here on the big-time performance and the Philly special by Carter Ravel here of Scotland County. Well, you, you say it's not a rival game until you can win one, and we saw that this past week for a few teams, and this is one of them. You know, kudos to Scotland County. They do a phenomenal job. They're a 3A team, and they're competing with a 4A team, a, a, a daggone darn good one for the past 10 years, no doubt. And to be able to pull this out, I mean, he's efficient. 10 for 16, three touchdowns. I mean, like every time he's throwing the ball, he's throwing a touchdown pass and even caught the two-point conversion to win the game. You know, that's big time for his program and, you know, going into the playoffs as well. Oh, definitely. Let's move back west to Jed West of Smoky Mountain High School. In a big 58-18 win over East Henderson, West accounted for seven touchdowns, threw for 320 yards and five scores, and also ran for 72 yards and two scores. We've got some older film up here just to show you what type of kid this kid is. But, again, big-time win, big-time performance, throwing for 320 and seven. I always talk about those mountain teams. They know how to throw the ball just like teams down here. And here's a big example why. 
Yeah, it's pretty cool. I just, I just love their name that he plays for, Smoky Mountain. I mean, you got to be daggone tough as nails to be playing for Smoky Mountain. But seven touchdowns, as we said, it's the complete game. Completion is number seven. He reached that ability. I've only seen it one time in my lifetime playing in a game. This guy's putting up seven touchdowns. That's that's huge. Definitely, definitely. So we've got to move forward. Again, we tell you guys all the time, if you ball, you get the call. This week's call, we've had to keep it in the area. The Hudson Shooty, do I have that right, Shooty? Shout it. Shouty, perfect. Shouty. Hey, high school here. Again, in a big-time 52-6 win over South Lake Christian, Shouty yes, forced sir. two fumbles, which both led to scores. Again, he got that ball in his hand, turned defense to offense quick. Also, we had a stat stuffer here. Recovered three fumbles, had four tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, and eight and a half total tackles, and grinding, he blocked a point after touchdown. I think he might have sold a Chick-fil-A sandwich at halftime as well. <laughs> Big time performance, you know, stat, you know, covering all of your bases here. Hudson, can you talk about the game and just, you know, in the midst of the game, did you realize you were doing so many great things to help your team out? Uh, so, yeah, so during the game, we knew going into it, they fumbled a lot. Coach Hawks, our defense coordinator, the whole week was game planning, just stop the run. And when we get there, pass, like, just get the ball, punch the ball, break it up. And just all the film he watches, he knew they fumbled a lot. So during practice, Coach White, our D-line coach, had us just punching the ball, getting ready to recover fumbles. I feel like they were watching, like, Peanut Tillman, like, videos all week long. (laughs) You know, unbelievable. That's good stuff. Definitely. So talk, Grant, I've got to give it to the defensive coach. I mean, Grant, having a guy like this, I mean, that can do it all, that can, you know, really transfer, not only making tackles, but really turning defense into offense. How how does that feel to have a guy like that, Grant and Hudson? Talk about, you know, just your mentality going forward to the playoffs. So, yeah, so our mentality going forward is just going to be – so if my job specifically just stop the run, you know, get pressure, let their linebackers do work. You know, a lot of times I get double teamed. My linebackers are free making tackles. So if I can work through those double teams, then it's even better. So that's And, see, I love you saying that. Every time you see a D-lineman, a lot of times they only think about sacks, not playing through people. I mean, this is another type of deal that we talk about, frontline warrior status, but you're moving people against their will. And you said, I want to stop the run first. That's what wins football games. You know, the sacks will come, you know, fumble recovery, strip sacks, all that stuff is beautiful to see, but you got to build, you know, first down, second down. We got to be stopping the run and get them in a passing situation where you can go eat. And you're doing that and understanding that at a high school level. A lot of times you don't see that to people get to professional football to understand that aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. Hudson, we thank you for balling. So we kept our promise. You know, gave you the call. Keep on as you go forward in the playoffs. Thank you. And we'll definitely thank try you for to back me. on here if you keep on. All right. Huddy, Huddy stopping the dimes, Hudson. Huddy stopping the dimes. Again, <laughs> hey, if you feel like you had a great performance. We're getting in the playoffs, Griner. You know, have those guys reach out to us at Observer Preps, at me, at Coach Jay Grice, at Langston Works Jr. As we always talk about, if you ball, you're going to get the call. See you next week. No doubt. All right, here we go, guys. A great segment to Coach Grice. Uh, here we go, though. Uh, 1A, time to talk some playoff football, heading into the first round of the North Carolina State playoffs. So let's look at this week's 1A rankings. Uh, no surprise right there with Tarboro coming in one. Andrews uh, really uh, flexed its muscle moving up to two. Eastern Randolph, which is kind of my favorite, I think, uh, going into the playoffs. Uh, three, Mount Airy, four. Northmore continues to make a lot of noise. Uh, there you see kind of a, a who's who list of 1A this year, Thomasville, Drone, Northampton County, Murphy, Robbinsville. Uh, before we go into that, though, uh, guys, we will talk about the power of these teams, uh, but I want to look at a video uh, that our man Cam put together about his picks. So let's go ahead and drop that video before we move on. All right, so this is the 1A playoff bracket. 
Um, I see Tarver ultimately winning the championship, but I did want to bring up the fact there are 17 teams in this bracket with two or less wins and a total of four winless teams altogether. Um, so I don't think it's going to be very competitive until you get to maybe the third or fourth round. I think some of the early games are going to be you know, pretty lopsided uh, with, you know, teams not having the best records. But I think Tarver will ultimately get back to face a very tough Thomasville team out of the West. But ultimately, Tarboro will get it done. All right, guys, we've seen Cam's picks. Um, we're going to start with the East. Uh, we've got our resident uh, gurus of the East, uh, my friend Sir Alex Bass. Uh, we've got Jack Leary, who we already mentioned. I kind of agree with uh, Cam's picks to a degree. Uh, I don't think Thomasville is going into the West, but we'll get to that point in a second. Uh, Tarboro ultimately, I think, is the best team. I would feel like the three of us would agree. Uh, I do disagree with West Columbus beating Northampton. I think Northampton's a team on a mission. They had to forfeit a game earlier in the year, uh, an exceptionally strong team. Coach George Privet's one of the best coaches I've seen. His team made it to the championship game a couple years ago. They know how to get there. Uh, but do you two guys here, let's start with the East. Uh, what are we thinking? And, uh, Jack, you're, you're the, the new guy. We're going to let you go first. A team that I really like out of the East that um, is going to have a tough matchup with Tarboro in the third round is Riverside Martin. Um, they had Jim, Jim Bob Bryant come back to North Carolina, former head coach at uh, Havelock. He came back. Um, now the offense coordinator at Riverside. They got a new freshman quarterback, Jason Shepard. He's got 27 touchdowns, five interceptions. Even if they don't go all the way this year, a lot of their players are coming back, and I think that they could be a very strong team in the East in the in the upcoming years. Hey, but Jack, um, and that's a potential third-round matchup, and, and I do agree that Riverside's a team on the way up. It wasn't back in my day when Jim Bob Bryant was playing for – uh, Harold Robinson when it was Williamston High School. And, and you know, there's definitely affinity to him coming back. Uh, but they got beat 50 to 14 two weeks ago. Are yeah. they going to get that much better in three weeks? Probably not. I, I mean, Tarboro definitely is the better team this year. And uh, I, I agree with you guys. Tarboro is probably the best team in the East and probably the best 1A team in the state, most likely. Um, but I do think Riverside is going to beat Pamlico and then move on to the third round. That was just a team that I thought uh, was an interesting pick but Tarboro is probably going to beat them in the third round definitely. Alex what do we think? Until someone beats Tarboro there is no conversation next. I agree. Hey, well, let's look at the West real quick. I think the West is a much more compelling bracket. Uh, I, I think that Eastern Randolph, again, I mentioned it. I think that they're my favorite. Uh, Murphy, you know, we know what Murphy is. Uh, we know Thomasville is a great team. Uh, we've seen some of those other teams. Uh, but uh, what, are, what are we thinking here uh, with the West? And then, guys, I know we're bringing some of our Western guys on as well. Um, and, and actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, Dale, uh, well, let's start and talk um, Bessemer City and Mountain Island. I'm getting ahead of myself. What, what are we thinking about? <laughs> okay, so you, you don't want anything overall. Yeah, Bessemer City, um, Mountain I'm Island. That's. Overall. I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll, I'll take whatever you got. That's okay. Uh, I was just going to say, uh, from the brackets perspective, I'm, I'm looking down to uh, an Eastern uh, Randolph uh, Robbinsville matchup to maybe tell me who's going to uh, make it to the uh, regionals. Uh, on your Mountain Island uh, Vesper City game, that, that could be a competitive game. Uh, I know it, we are, are we at the point to talk about that game now, or we? I think I'll, that about it. So I'll, I'll throw it at because it's supposed to come up later. We'll just skip it. Uh, I, I, it's a hard game to call, Chris. Looks like uh, defense uh, is is going to be the the play here, and that seems to kind of favor Mountain Island. Uh, 
Kickstarter to win. So maybe a competitive game, but. Yep. Yeah, Chris, I think early on, I mean, you know, a lot of the 1A bracket seems, you know, seems to be chalk. I mean, I'm definitely looking as one of my sleepers as Robbinsville. You know, we talked a lot about Cutler Adams, um, you know, Cherryville coming into that game. You know, of course, they lost the belt to Bessemer City um, on this past Friday. They're looking for some get back, but it's going to be a tough task, again, with some of these major teams. I mean, you know, 1A, as we've talked about even in the past, Guru, you know, you've got your top teams, your Eastern Randolph, your Murphy, even Mitchell. Swain County, I think, is a sleeper. That split back beer um, up there was that Bryson City. I know you always know the cities. It's always going to be pretty tough to deal with in the wintertime. Look for them to, to be a force, even though they had a tough regular season. Um, Thomasville, of course, is another team. And Mount Airy, I think, ran out some of the, the teams that we're looking at. I mean, Guru, have I, have I left anybody out? Just a question. I, I, what, how about Christ the King? They've had a great season. I mean, I, I think, think they're year away. I think they finished. I mean, you know, it's it's going to be a, a good matchup again there against Hayesville for sure as they get there. Um, I love North Rowan. Coach Nigel Pearson's had you know built a consistent kind of one A power out of Rowan County. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see where Christ the King can go. I think maybe the first two rounds they may be okay, but that matchup is going to be compelling against North Rowan and ultimately potentially you know a, a, a matchup with Eastern Randolph is going to be a little surprising. How many um, students are at North Roman? Just curious. About or 500. Rough, really? That's what it is? That's significantly dropped over the years, huh? Six, Maybe six. I'm not sure. It's not. I don't have their ADMs in front of me. I, got um, you. I, I just think that it's a three-team race in the West. I, I think Eastern Randolph is far and away better, uh, but yeah. Mount Airy is really good, and Andrews is is just phenomenal. If I was to have a sleeper, though, my sleeper would be drawn. Uh, I think Coach Chris Powell and what they've done up there in Burke County, I think that's a pretty sneaky good team. You said drawn, right? You realize that Andrews automatically is in the conversation because Andrews accomplished something I don't think ever has been accomplished in North Carolina high school football history. Can anyone name for me a school that in the same season defeated Murphy, Robbinsville, and Swain? Yeah. Has that ever happened in the same season? 32 state championships among those three 1A mountain powerhouses. Right. Andrews automatically is in the conversation with that resume. No, no question they're in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Well, hey, let's shift our focus now to the 2A and, and look at the 2A brackets and the 2A rankings first. I think that 2A is just an, an astronomical uh, conference, an astronomical classification. Uh, we look right there. Burns convincingly beat Shelby Friday night, 27-14. Uh, Monroe, again, a, a squeaker of a – a win over Forest Hills. I think that showed how good both these two programs really are. Two rival teams right there in Union County. Uh, Reedsville, East Surrey. Uh, East Surrey would be a dark horse for me, and they're undefeated. Man, I don't know how you can consider them a dark horse. East Duplin had that close win over Wallace Rose Hill last week. I think that they're definitely a factor in the East. Uh, Maiden, Forest Hills, Wallace Rose Hill, Clinton. Uh, and, and I think that there's about five or six really good teams that didn't make the rankings that are really good. Uh, so uh, let, let's take a look at the Eastern bracket. Uh, and I know we got Jack and Alex back on here. Uh, Wallace Rose Hill and Kinston. Uh, Kinston ain't quite what they were in the past couple of years. And then we got Jack back on the screen. Uh, I think Wallace Rose Hill probably takes care of business in this one right here. Uh, but are they the best team? Is East Duplin the best team? I'm going to start with that game, Jack. And what do you think? 
Well, last year, uh, East Duplin won in the regular season against Wallace like they did this year. And then and, and the playoffs, Wallace ended up winning and going to the state championship. But um, honestly, I was at that game, and I think East Duplin is just the better team. They have a senior named Avery Gabby. He won the state championship in the 110-meter hurdles, and he has been um, one of the best running backs in the eastern part of the state. So I think I think Wallace does end up beating Kinston, and East Duplin takes care of business business and they end up on a crash course later in the playoffs um those two are those are my two i think those are the two best teams in the east even though princeton did beat east duplin that was earlier in the season and they barely beat them so i like wallace or east duplin to come out of the east for 2a uh 2a east hey let's uh before we move on jack let's see what cam's uh 2a predictions are and see kind of how they line up with what you've got all right so now on to the 2a uh, I'll talk about the East a little bit. Let's uh, look at Wallace Rose Hill here as a 12 seed. You know, I I think, you know, Dale's a big fan of RPI. I'm I'm not so much because I think Wallace Rose Hill definitely played better this year than to get a 12 seed. I've got them going all the way to the state championship, ultimately facing Burns, but facing that very tough East Duplin team in the uh, regional final. But looking over at the West, I mean, you look at Burns, they got to play Moorhead first round but then setting up a potential rematch with Shelby, who just had an excellent game. Burns played outstanding. Um, but then the next round, they could potentially play either Pine Lake Prep or Salisbury, assuming neither one of those teams get upset. And I mean, that that's just a gauntlet they're going to have to go through. Then potentially play Monroe or a team like East Surrey. So Burns doesn't have an easy road at all, but I think they can do it, and they're ultimately my 2A champion. All right, Jack, uh, Alex, and we'll go to you, Alex. Uh, we've seen uh, Cam's predictions. Actually, he's got the two teams I p- predicted. I think it will be Wallace Rose Hill and Burns. Um, Burns has definitely taken a hard road, uh, playing some tough competition. Uh, what do you think, Alex? In the 2A East, like you said, this is an absolute whale of a bracket. There's no way we can even have this conversation. It's the same thing every single year. And you look at a place like Wallace Rose Hill, East Duplin, and then you throw in James Keenan, who can't even break its way into the rankings because of how competitive this classification is. So you have Wallace Rose Hill, East Duplin, James Keenan, always in the mix. You got Clinton coming in at number 10, that whole Samson Duplin area right there. Just trying to battle your way through that and get out is absolutely crazy year in and year out. So you, you have that in the East. And then you go to the West. Burns got that big win over Shelby. This bracket is so competitive that Shelby couldn't even make the top ten this week. Are are, are you kidding me? I mean, and 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 they should and they shouldn't because of how it shook out. But that just speaks to how competitive the bracket is. Burns over Shelby, Reedsville right up in there, Monroe and Forest Hills, who gave us a great game. My goodness, just sit back and enjoy this. Yeah. I agree. And, and now uh, let's look at the, the Western side. And I got my man, Coach Grice, on. I want to shift my focus to him and kind of let him take the lead on the West. Uh, Coach Grice, uh, this has kind of become the fight club or the mini fight club. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, actually, before we get into the 2A Western discussion, we've got to go to, to my man, Sam Griner's Frontline Warriors segment on Moreau's Kamari Laney. You know, he aims to get his team again in the state title game in this extremely tough 2A bracket. So let's drop that video. We got another Frontline Warrior edition this week. We're going over to Union County, Monroe High School. We got Kamari Laney with us. 
Kamari, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good. How about you? You had a big win this Friday. Tell me about the game. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was intense one. You know, Monroe, Forest Hill. Everybody wants to call it like robbery, but we've been running it for about 10, 11, last 10, 11 years. So. Really? Y'all haven't lost in over 10 years, so it's not a robbery. Tell them, say no. it's not a robbery until they can win. Man, I tell you what, I watched your highlight, and you really come off the ball. Mason Sledge, your offensive line coach, has always been, you know, praising what you're doing for the team, 6'2", 280. Tell me about something you feel like. I feel like you're a mean person. All the frontline warriors that we have, you're you're mean on the daggone front line. I mean, you're you're knocking people's heads off. I love it. Yes, sir. Uh, I just tried to, you know, it came out of three-man fronts. So I just tried to find work where, where it was needed. And when I got a chance to – Get off somebody in the run game, I try to put them on their back. All right, man. Well, I'm going to be pushing for you. I think you do a great job. You finish people off. We want to see those type of things when you're a frontline warrior. You're doing everything you're supposed to do. I really appreciate everything and uh, look forward to seeing you guys further in the playoffs. Let's make a big run. All right. Appreciate you. If you guys want to be on the next Frontline Warrior Playoff Edition, this is when it matters. It starts getting a little colder. Please contact me at Coach Sam Griner on Twitter or Instagram or at Charlotte Preps on Twitter or Instagram. Look forward to watching you. All right, we're back here. Now we're going with the 2A West, which, again, is, is a tough bracket. I'm going to toss to you some guys for some commentary to see what you think. Gary, I've got to toss to you, which I think might be one of the more higher-scoring games in this first round. That's East Gaston the Community School. You know about QBAJ Sirianni, who's been throwing for video game-like numbers. Can you give us your take on this game? Nope. Can't give it to you. I don't know anything about either school. <laughs> hey, well, you know, again, Community School of Davidson's been putting up buckets. They actually uh, won their conference championship, clinched it over Pine Lake Prep, um, you know, this past week. Again, QB's been doing it, you know, putting up excellent numbers. East Gaston themselves have been having a pretty good year. I'm expecting, I think Community School is going to, you know, going to do a lot on offense, and hopefully East Gaston is able to stop them. But I think it's going to be one of the most intriguing games. The other one, number two on, on my list, is uh, Shelby at Forest Hills. So, Cam, can you talk about that? Yeah, I think this game could be really close. I mean, I, I like Shelby in the end, but, I mean, I think it could go either way. Forest Hills, great, great team. I think Shelby just has the, you know, experience. I think they can get it done, albeit they're, you know, less than stellar record, especially for a program like Shelby. Alex, what do you think here, too? I mean, again, I think this is the most intriguing game. Maybe it's definitely my top three all, all week as far as uh, Friday night, what we're going to get. So what are your thoughts there? This is an epic matchup because of the competitive prowess of both teams. I'd also like to point out the Forest Hills defensive coordinator, Frank Toms III, is a Crest graduate calling the defense against <laughs> Shelby in the playoffs. This game already was compelling. It goes to another level right there. <laughs> no, I agree with you 100%. I mean, and even looking at this 2A West, I mean, we know about Reeds. Well, again, they're battle-tested. You know, I think one of their only losses was to Page. I mean, they play, they're playing, you know, good competition. We look at Robinson. Robinson's been the sleeping giant, I feel like, that hasn't seen a lot of, you know, tough competition. But we know, again, we talked about David Hobbs. They've got the star power with that team to make a deep run. I think if, if Reedsville – sorry, if Robinson and Reedsville can get there, there'll be something interesting. I mean, Chase there with Marquise McCombs still – 
lurking in the wings with our darling last year, Mr. Football. He's still putting up big numbers. That's going to be a, a tough matchup if they can both get through their first round games. Uh, we see Maiden there with Chris Culliver. Again, there's not much to say there. They're you know they're going to be a handful for Polk County to to deal with as well. Um, you know, I think we've got a lot there on that, that bottom side. If Shelby can get through that first-round game, <laughs> you do not want to play Shelby if they're getting rolling with Daylon Lee, Zay Bridges, and that cast of characters. So I think this 2A bracket, you know, we highlight, of course, Pine Lake Prep there is going to be a tough out. Salisbury um, you know, with Clayton Trivet there is going to be a tough team. We've got some big names and big numbers in this 2A West bracket. But, you know, I think I think some of the names will remain supreme. Do we see any upsets? Langston, what are your thoughts? You're on here finally. What are your thoughts as far as the 2A? Do you see any upsets <laughs> out of the cream of the I think I, I still like Shelby. I've been on Shelby all season long. I thought that, you know, we didn't have them in the poll. I, I thought, you know, they, they played a tough schedule. I know Burns beat them the other day. But I still think Shelby come to playoffs are going to kind of figure it out. They're kind of like Chambers. They figured out when we get to the playoffs. I still think they're going to be a, a, a menace in the playoffs. I think Burns is going to be a menace in the playoffs. I think, Grice, this two-way bracket is as good as any bracket in the state. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think this both sides. So, Reedsville, Maiden, Burns, and Monroe will be I mean, four. And then the the winners of those will be your regionals. That's who I think. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, look I, at the – I got Look a young man you guys that they might think community school babes is gonna make a run. Video game numbers is what I call the man. You might be right. Don't, hey, don't don't sleep on East Gaston. They beat them last year in the playoffs. Man, tell him AJ, AJ, don't listen to him. He's trying to get in your head before the game show. I got you, AJ. I'm I'm gonna speak for AJ real quick if he allows me no, to. Hey, he's putting up video game numbers, 500 yards. I get, I get the updates every week, AJ. You know, I, your dad is a wonderful father for you. He makes sure we all keep up on your stats, and I appreciate that. 500 yards, three touchdowns, and he's sitting in the second half. I'm, I'm sitting in my phone, Grinder, when the games where we got a little bit of time at halftime. There his dad's like, AJ, see you on his drinking Gatorade. Sends a picture <laughs> of him drinking the Gatorade. Three touchdowns already. It's 75 to two. Like, we're good. AJ, I got that right? Hey, Dre. Oh, quiet on me. No, 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 he he's he's right hey, on. Hey, talk, hey. talk to us. Talk to hold us. on, hold on, hold on. This guy right here, we did some scrimmaging with them this past summer. They are yeah. really legit. I'm just saying, yeah. don't say that off platform. That's off platform. I, that's all you need to know. Off platform. Body going one way, arm going another. Dot. <laughs> Tell me about your head coach. How much of a guru is he passing the ball? He is a hey. genius. AJ, I mean, you, oh, that's why he's being quiet. He's, he's just been amazing okay. all year. Yeah, um, yeah, he's got no sound. Hey, he got no sound. Yeah, I can hear him. You can hear him. I can't hear. AJ, he's say wrong. something. I think AJ, say something. It's live TV. I, I think he's frozen. That's the problem. He's not. No, frozen. He's not frozen. Hey, he's can you guys frozen. hear me? Yeah, we yeah, can now hear we you. Can. Now we can. Yeah, I mean, Tell all right. Tell us about this season. It has been amazing just learning from TJ all year. TJ is a disciple of the great Chad Greer. Don't let him sleep on you. We know a little bit about TJ now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. AJ, how do you put up these type of numbers, though? You, you're like top two in, in the in the state in, in both categories. You're among the uh, one or two in the country in touchdown passes. I mean, how unbelievable has the season been for you? I mean, I enjoyed it of it. Um, the team has been great bringing me in. Uh, obviously, I transferred my senior year. Um, 
but you know, it's, I mean, the line has been amazing blocked for me all year. Um, they haven't done anything wrong, really. Uh, just, <laughs> just their sprouts doing everything they can. Um, it's, it's been just a great year overall. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, tell us about the playoffs. You know, what do you guys want to do in the playoffs? I know you, you won eight or nine straight games. You beat Pine Lake Prep in the conference championship the other night. A lot of momentum. What do you think can happen in the postseason? Um, we're, I mean, we're just going to take it one game at a time. Um, we're, we think we have a chance to go all the way. And um, as long as even I, I think we can do that. All right. Oh, Coach TJ, right. he's TJ is one of my favorite coaches in this whole region on the west side. I mean, we yeah. talk to each other. They're they're a little bit further up the road, you know, on Betty's Ford Road, and uh, we really try to work together. They helped us out a lot this summer, and uh, the passing combinations that he has built for his program. I mean, they're yeah. they're high level. I mean, even the Panther players go there and practice and do things, and uh, he's interactive with those guys, and so uh, yeah. he, he's high level. All right, well, when you come on the show, you have to take on Coach Grind in the game show. So it's a multiple-choice game. You'll go first on your answer. Let uh, Alex read the question. Dale read the second question. We'll go back and forth. I only ask that you beat him. That's all I ask you. Well, well, I let's just make sure that his coach is not in the – see, his room, His coach is right there in the same room with him right now, helping right. him out. Let's put a okay. time limit on Sam, too. Yeah, yeah, we need time limit on Sam. All right, I'm contractually obligated to play his little theme music, AJ. So if you play his little theme music, he'll look a lot different in the, in the theme music than he looks now with that, that mountain beard he's got going it's, on. It's in the contract. It's in the contract. But, but we'll, we'll get it going. Here we go. Brother, I'm not MJ, just Coach Griner, but I'm the GOAT of the game show. Mr. We Bad. Use, we use that for intimidation purposes. <laughs> All right, Alex, let's go. Alex, are you there? He's 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 on mute right now. Yeah, unmute, Alex. Let's try it again. All right, Patrick Mahomes called it the throw of the year. NFL Films said it traveled further in the air than any NFL pass in 10 years. How far in the air was P.J. Walker's TD pass to D.J. Moore? Sunday in Atlanta, A, 62 yards, B, 67 yards, C, 71 yards, D, 69 yards. All right, AJ, let's get off to a good start. What's your answer? Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with B here. B, 67. Did you hear hear the little clicking sound in the background? He's got, like, Google. He's working Google right now. You can't even Google that that fast. What's your answer? Good gracious. All right, I'm going to go with I'm going C, 71 yards. C, 71. You were down one to nothing. It was 67. I'm telling you, man, this is don't have a good feel. Like, look at he's looking two Here different screens. Here Unbelievable, we go. AJ. Come on Here now. Don't do that. Here we go. Here we go. Here look we go. down All to right. his third receiver. I don't have anything near me. Hands up. Hands up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dale. Let's go. All right. UNC's Drake May has 29 passing touchdowns, the record for an ACC freshman. Is 38. Who owns it? A. Deshaun Watson. B. Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> B. Sam Howell. D. Jameis Winston. Samuel. I'm going to go with D. D. Jameis Winston. Famous Jameis. What you got, AJ? Um, 
I think I mean I'm gonna have to go with D two. I think it's James Winston. It is Sam Howell. Really? So you, you were still up one to nothing. Yep, you mm. still up one to nothing. I thought Sam would get that one right. I was trying to fool him with the Clemson guys. I thought because he likes uh, yeah. But I thought, it was Carolina guys in this question, so I, yeah, that's true. It's that true. should have been a tip to somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, all right, I'm losing my, I'm losing my place. Hold on, fellas. I got to find. Tell him, hey, keep hands up right here. Hands up. <laughs> you guys are funny. Oh wait, I got a question. I didn't load. Hold on. Sam's upset. Yeah, no, I got, it. I got, it. I got, it. I got, it. I got. It. All right, Alex, let's go. Outside of live sports, this drama was the number one TV show in America for the 2021-22 season. Name it. A, Yellowstone. B, NCIS. C, Blue Bloods. D, Chicago Fire. All right, AJ. Man, uh, I'm just going to have to guess on this one. I think I'm going to go D. D, Chicago Fire. What do you guess, Samuel? I'm going to go with my favorite show, Yellowstone. Yellowstone is the correct, correct answer. We are one. Let's go, baby. Yellowstone Hands up. He's struggling. Hands up. He's struggling. You see that, right? Yellowstone average 11 million oh. viewers trailing only Thursday night football and Sunday night football. That's pretty That's impressive. right. That thing was money. Pretty impressive. I've never seen that, but I've heard it's pretty good. you never seen Yellowstone? It's legit. Never, never seen, never seen it. Never seen it. All right, Dale. Here we go. <laughs> Panthers kicker Eddie Pinero played college football in the SEC before signing with the Raiders in 2018. Which school did he attend? A, Tennessee, B, Texas A&M, C, Alabama, D, Florida. Samuel. Uh, B, Texas A&M. Texas A&M. What you got, AJ? I, I think it's B, Texas A&M. It is D, Florida, and we're going to the last question, Tide. And I, I mean, I could play this smart right here. We'll see. Uh, don't see if you're playing it smart. That means you're playing the you playing no, the tide. I, if I know it, if I know it, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess it. Alex, let's go. It's the number one show on Netflix and is hosted by Nick and Vanessa Lachey. It's about men and women who get engaged before they meet. Name it: A, Love Connection. B, my future bride. C, love is blind. D, return to reality. AJ, it's on you, man. All the pressures. Third and ten. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna go C here. C, yeah. love is blind. Samuel. C, C is the correct answer. C is the correct answer. We have a tie. Unfortunately, did you know that, Sam? Did you? Really yeah, know I knew that? that one. You knew that. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, AJ, man, thanks for coming on. Best of luck to you. Keep throwing those touchdowns. 46 is crazy. That's uh, that's way up high on the Mecklenburg County list. I'll, I'll figure it out once you get done playing and you have like 90, but we'll figure out. Hey, tell TJ I said, hey, please, all right? You're getting, some, you're getting in some serious neighborhoods now. You're getting yeah, up, I got you. Thank you, guys. making guys like that. So you, you're having a great season. All right, AJ, take care, man. All right, brother. All right, that's uh, AJ Sirianni of uh, – all right, we got to find out who Cameron picked in 3A. Then I'm going to bring Chris back and we'll do the 3A rankings and bring back our panels and break down a 3A class. All right, and moving on to the 3A, you know, we look at the east side, and I think Havelock and 71st are the favorites to come out of this uh, potential side. But you, when you look at Havelock, I just think they have a little bit of advantage over 71st. But when you move to the west, I mean, this is just this is a dogfight. You got West Charlotte as an eight seed who could potentially have two home games, but 
obviously not played at West Charlotte, though we played at Waddell. Uh, you got Kings Mountain, who I think is the odds-on favorite to win the 3A. And then you move down the bracket a little bit, you see uh, Dudley and South Point there. Uh, that would be a huge potential matchup. Dudley beat South Point 38 0 in the 2021 regional final, and eventually Dudley won the state championship. But then I see South Point winning that game, and then they get to play Crest again, at least in my opinion. And so South Point, West Rowan, Kings Mountain, uh, East Lincoln, Kings Mountain, and Havelock for the state championship. And I think Kings Mountain wins that one in a closer game than some might think. Um, I got it maybe. Seven points at the very most. All right, I'm going to read this directly off of the script. I've got Alex and Jack right here. Uh, we're just going to look at the rankings. Are you seeing Kings Mountain, Northern Ash, 71st, Havelock, South Point, Dudley, East Lincoln, Oak Grove, West Henderson, Eastern Alamance. Uh, Jack, let's look at the West or the East. You can talk about Richland, Southern Durham, Rocky Mountain, Jacksonville, Currituck, Lee County. What do we think? Well, um, I'm, I'm going to talk about my homeschool, but Richlands goes to Southern Durham, Southern Durham is one of the most athletic teams in 3A East. They got uh, UNC commit defensive end J. Bron Harvey. Um, Richlands is one of two teams in the playoffs to have gone – or, sorry, one of two teams in NCHSAA to have gone 0-8 and then make the playoffs this year or have a winning record this year. And uh, Southern Durham – and to link Southern Durham to Havelock, which uh, had – the they just had Havelock in the state championship. Southern Durham beat Havelock this year. So I'm not too high on Havelock. Um, I think a team like 71st or Northern Nash could beat them very easily. Um, so I, I think Havelock could get beat um, earlier than some people think. Yeah, I, I personally think Northern Nash is the best team in 3A, maybe even better in Kings Mountain. We shall see. Alex, uh, what's your thoughts? 3A, just yet another fight club all the way through. The kicker being – it's going to be very, very tough in the end for anyone to supplant Kings Mountain. You look at what they did, what they've done on every level in terms of winning the Cleveland County Championship, which is the state's ultimate county fight club every year. Winning the Cleveland County Championship, going undefeated through conference play with a win over South Point and being in position to do what no one, what no uh, Kings Mountain team has done since 1998, which is advanced to a state championship. I mean, you have this fight club in the East, which is very good, but in the end, matching up against this Kings Mountain team per its resume through Cleveland County and beyond is going to be a formidable challenge for whomever comes out of the East. And like everyone else has said, I don't think Havelock certainly isn't poised to be a flag bearer of any kind. Yeah. Agreed. I agree. Uh, and now we're going to shift our focus here uh, to the West, and we got our man, Coach Christ, who's going to take over. Oh, I'm on mute. All right, that sounds better. Um, yeah, I think this 3A bracket is is tough. I've called it the harder bracket than, than 4A, and I think maybe this first round might lead to – you know, you know, a little bit more chalk, but I think that you're going to see as it gets into the second and third round, you've got some big-time games. <clears throat> I think one, I mean, everybody is kind of giving Kings Mountain the, the shoe, you know, kind of the, the shoe into the to the regional final and state final. 
That second round game against Central Davidson is going to be a tough one. You know, Guru, we talked about Keyshawn Breedlove from Central Davidson, that running back. He was the backup last year. This year, he's coming back. He's averaging 200 yards a game for that Central Davidson team. Not saying, again, they could pull off the upset, but if Kings Mountain slips, has a few turnovers, and, and doesn't play great, he's definitely a guy that could put them on upset alert. I do think that they have the opportunity to be successful. We go down here to this West Charlotte uh, Stuart Kramer game. Dale, can you talk about that game and just the implications? Yeah, so uh, these two teams uh, faced each other last year in the first round. Uh, it was uh, a 34-10 game. Uh, you know, I thought going into that game it might be tight, and it looked early on like maybe Stuart Kramer is going to be able to make a game of it, but ultimately it didn't turn out to be much of a game. Um, I think this year when I, look, when I looked at things, I see that Stuart Kramer's um, best points – don't match up well with what are West Charlotte's best points, which I think is uh, defense. And then it looks like West Charlotte maybe has some offensive uh, things fixed. And if they have, that's not going to bode well for Stuart Kramer because that is by far their West, their worst point, which is uh, their uh, defense. So. No, I agree 100%. I think moving forward, I mean, we look at High Brighton is going to be a tough team. Uh, Northwest Cabarrus Ashbrook, I mean, Northwest Cabarrus, 9-1. and one. I mean, Coach Eric Norman, you know, ironic, you know, could potentially be the coach of the year. Um, definitely for that conference, maybe even a larger scale for the county, has done a fantastic job with that team. I don't think he gets any favors facing a tough Ashbrook team that has hung with Crest in their conference and played a lot of tough Gaston and Cleveland County teams. So that'll be a game, I think, to watch uh, for sure. That's one of those. If there's an upset, I wouldn't be surprised. But I do think that Northwest Cabarrus team, if they can get through Ashbrook, that team is going to go pretty far, uh, the winner of that game. Uh, East Lincoln and Ash County is another one I've got my eyes on. East Lincoln's had a phenomenal year. I think they either are undefeated or lost one game at the most. They come in and face the Ash County team, you know, air team from the mountains. That's been averaging about 30 points per game uh, so far this year, even with their record not being great. So one of those situations, East Lincoln hasn't had a tough strength of schedule. They face a team that can put up points. So that one will be a tricky game, even though I would think East Lincoln uh, should be successful there. Um, Dale, uh, another West Side team or team from your neck of the woods, uh, Oak Grove and West Mecklenburg. I think that'll be an interesting game. We know West Mech's battle tested, though. I think Oak Grove will be tough as well. Yeah, that's one I was looking at and kind of scratching my head as to whether West Mech can maybe pull an upset there because uh, they are battle tested. But I mean, I'll say something. I think West Mech's defense is one of the better defenses in this, you know, 3A bracket. I think a lot of the teams are not going to be able to see their type of speed and the ability they – I mean, every team they've played against, think about it, like even Chambers and other ones, it's been tight games early on. Um, it's just, you know, those great teams that are in that conference that we play in, you know, could just overwhelm you with just the depth and the size and the speed over through the course of the game. A lot of these 3 eight teams are really good, but they don't have, you know, national rank capabilities like Chambers, Mallet Creek, and Huffs. And so when you got – team like West Mech that didn't get in the playoffs last year. They want to make a name for themselves, and uh, you got to win some games here. I think South Point's a team that can – you know, I, I didn't hear anybody mention. Yeah. South Point's yeah. deadly. They, yeah, we hadn't got down there. Yeah. yeah. No, I meant in the earlier breakdown of things. But yeah, uh, it's going to be yeah. tough. I mean, I think that's an offense that, you know, that's going to be good. I mean, Coach Joe Glass, you know, he's got – um, what's uh, – I can't think of the, the old Independence OC or the head coach that's the OC now for him. Uh, Griner, you know his name. Um, Bill Gowler. 
No, no, Gallery. That was the DC. He, that's right. He was the DC. I can't. I'm. He's going to kill me for this too. Uh, Joe, but he's been a phenomenal. Strong job. is no Strong's down in. I'll get it in a second. I apologize again, but hey, they've been they've had a great offense. We you know had some kids from them, and we've highlighted as as you know players of the week for us. So I mean, I think they can score points with South Point. Um, that'll be interesting if they can handle that offense. But you know, they they have been phenomenal. Um, another game I think it's going to be interesting there. Um, you know, Dale Crest and Statesville. I mean, you know, we talked about Crest. You know, they get a tougher draw. I think you know with Statesville, their coach Rydell Cowan, the head coach. He's got those guys really going, and they've played some good competition as well. Uh, what do you think about Crest this year, and how, you, how what are their chances? Well, Crest is. I don't think Crest is performing at a level that I thought they would be at this point in the season, and the Statesville could be a dangerous team for them. I, I could see an upset if you want to call that an upset. I, could I think Crest, they run the football too well. I mean, Crest is a – I mean, you got to think about it. The, the temperatures are going to drop. You know, <laughs> winter is coming, and you got to be able to run the football and get on D. And, uh, somebody somebody look up the weather for Friday night. <laughs> not, and not quite there yet, but, you know. I just want to know one thing. You know, who does the 3A rankings? Because we ain't been in our top 10 in a minute, but uh, I guess we got to win some games to get up in there. Win some ball games and you'll get there, bro. Wes, Wes Henderson's there. another team. Don't try to sleep us in there when we start roaring. And, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be. <laughs> no, definitely. Again, I, I think that, you know, we've had some, you know, got a great bracket here. I love this 3A, but, I, you know, we've got to go here and see what, what Cameron really chose here for the 4A Fight Club. That one's a tough one. I'm ready to see what he chose. All right, and now to uh, the big boys, the Fight Club, as we've been calling it all year. So we look at the east side. Um, you got Cardinal Gibbons at a five seed. You know, I really like their road. You know, they got that matchup with Millbrook in the second round potentially, but at the same time, I think Cardinal Gibbons' defense, you know, Alex Bass, the contrarian, likes to push Nick Drew, and I think that defense is going to be way too tough. I've got them coming out of the east playing New Bern, uh, but New Bern actually beating them in the regional final. Excuse me about that. But then I got Huff and Chambers in the West Regional Final. But let's break down the West. There's a lot of upsets I picked here. I actually picked Charlotte Catholic over Grimsley in the second round, getting that rematch with Independence after Independence gets through Page and Olympic. Then I got Independence uh, actually beating Charlotte Catholic, getting over the hump. DJ, if you're watching this, just run the ball, my man. Just run the ball if you've got a lead in the fourth. Uh, but then you got Huff, Providence, Mallory Creek, and Audrey Kell. This, I mean, I think this is absolute atrocity that Huff and Mallory Creek, two state title contenders, have to play in the second round. It really eliminates a top five team either way you look at it, in my opinion. So you got Huff and Mallory Creek. I think Huff's defense, Mallory Creek's defense, they're they're right there neck and neck, but I think Huff's got a little bit better offense heading into the playoffs, so I can give them the edge. But then you got East Forsyth, West Forsyth, Asheville, and Mount Tabor. I was back and forth on that Asheville-Mount Tabor game. Kind of just looked at some stats, saw that Mount Tabor is pretty solid running the ball. And then East Forsyth, man, they, as a four seed, I don't know how they didn't get the one seed in the West. They've been playing great all year. So then moving down to the bottom quadrant, you got Watauga and South Iredale. I think Watauga wins that game pretty easily. Northwest and Southeast Guilford, it's a 14-19 matchup. You kind of just break down a few key things. And I think Southeast Guilford, if they can manage the clock, I think they can win that game. You got Weddington and Marvin Ridge. I mean, two big rivals, conference rivals in the first round. I think Weddington gets the job done. Same thing with Cox Mill and Lake Norman. 
conference rivals. Cox Mill gets the job done. But then I think Cox Mill's playoff run comes to an end when they have to face Weddington. I think Weddington can run the ball well. They can they got a great tight end. I just think Weddington has the advantage there. Then ultimately I've got Weddington even beating Wataga and meeting up with Chambers. I think Chambers odds on favorite to win the entire state championship, in my opinion. I think what they did against Mallard Creek in the season finale was just leaps and bounds better than what I'd seen them play so far this year. I think Chambers gets the job done. The lick back's real. Interesting commentary there from our friend Cam. Uh, good job to you, Cam. Uh, we're going to shift our focus now to the 4A, the 4A Fight Club, as Coach Grice likes to call it. Uh, before we do that, we'll take a look at this week's 4A rankings, the final regular season rankings of the year. There you see it right there, number one team in the state, East Forsyth. Coach Todd Willard's Eagles continued to fly. Uh, Newburn right there in the second place. Uh, I do think that's a foreshadowing of the state championship game. That's just my opinion. Uh, Huff Chambers, obviously, we know how good they are. Independence uh, doing a great job there. You see uh, Alex Bass's Cardinal Gibbons team, Charlotte Catholic, Grimsley, Mallet Creek, Killside. And really, I could go about 25 or 30 teams deep of teams that are exceptionally good football teams in the 4A. Uh, but we're going to start here with the Eastern bracket. Jack, I'm going to send it to you. Uh, it's a compelling bracket. Uh, looking at the script, we've got Newbern and Sanderson. I don't think that's a game. Uh, Cleveland Topsail, I don't think that's a game. Leesville, D.H. Conley would be the best of that three. Anything else that kind of tickles your fancy, Jack? I think the I think the two best teams in 4A are 4A East are Newbern and Cardinal Givens, and I think that would probably be what most people are predicting for the Eastern Championship. And right now, I, I I'm I'm prompt to say Newbern will win that game, but I am worried. Newbern's only attempted 28 passes on the season. A good strong, well-coached team like Cardinal Givens is going to force them to throw the ball a little bit, get them outside of their comfort zone. Um, and then I think another team in, in 4A that could make some noise is Cleveland uh, sophomore quarterback Jackson Bird. He's been he's thrown 31 touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, I think they could also make some noise. Alex, but before you go, uh, Jack, I just want to give you, if I had my little shiny toy, my little bell, uh, that I used to use from Mars Park. I'd have gave you a few dings right there uh, for that excellent commentary talking about uh, Newbern's inability uh, to throw the ball. I do think that that's something that will sh uh, rear its head potentially yeah. um, uh, as, the, as the playoffs uh, go on. Uh, you know, Alex, uh, before you go on, you know, there was no mention of Hill of Millbrook. Um, you know, I, I still contend that Pinecrest is a team – uh, that could potentially wreck a bracket in the way in the East. Uh, they've shown uh, the ability to be really good. And, and even if I was going to go with Dark Horse, uh, nobody's really talking about Hillside. I mean, they're a team that has kind of quietly uh, ran themselves to a 10 and no record. Uh, Alex, what do you think? Let's begin with Millbrook. I had a chance to see Millbrook a couple times this year. It's very, very interesting. Millbrook, very, very good team, no question about that. But Millbrook at times – was challenged by secondaries that had a degree of rigor to them. We saw that against Heritage early on in the season. Millbrook won that game, but it took until late until the game for Millbrook to get an offensive touchdown. So I think we all are looking forward to the possibility of seeing Millbrook's wide receivers against the Cardinal Gibbons defense, particularly the Cardinal Gibbons uh, defensive secondary, which a lot of people may or may not realize that part of the uh, Gibbons defense's spark uh, is its secondary is uh, defensive coordinator Nick Drew was a defensive back himself. 
and he coaches the defensive backs himself. So to see the Gibbons secondary against Millbrook's receiving core will be very, very exciting. But I think Jack did a great job in his Eastern analysis. If Newburn is going to break through, then this is the year for them to do it. This is the culmination of a three- to four-year building process, which began back in 2019, which is when Cardinal Gibbons qualified for its first state championship. And that was uh, one of the uh, one of the games, that game at Newburn, when um, the Gibbons defense, led by Nick Drew, began to put itself on the map going forward. But uh, Newburn is poised to take that step, but still will have to get past Cardinal Gibbons and Nick Drew's defense to be in a position to do that. But Gibbons, Millbrook, Hillside, Newburn, we'll just have to see what happens in other parts of the bracket and let it play out with some great games. All right, excellent analysis always, Alex. Uh, now we're going to bring the coach, Coach Jonathan Grice, uh, back on to talk about the 4A West. Uh, coach, uh, what do we see? Love it. The Fight Club, one of my favorite sides, one of my favorite areas to talk about. Um, you know, again, one of the hottest teams that we've got to focus on in this bracket, surprisingly, isn't one of the, the number one or two or three teams. It's actually Independence. Uh, Observer reporter Steve Lido got a chance to catch up with Independence quarterback Justin Little after the Patriots mm-hmm. Butler for the first time in a while on Friday. Here with Justin Little, the quarterback from Independence. Justin, um, Butler came back in the second quarter and went ahead. You guys came back out in the second half. What did you say at halftime? What did you say to one another? It's just keep doing what we're doing, do what we've been practicing all week, all year, and just stay strong. Uh, it must feel pretty good to, uh, to yes. win this rivalry. Uh, Coach, Coach has done quite a job with this program, hasn't he? Yes, sir. Did, did you know a bunch of the players? I'm assuming you knew a bunch of the Butler players and all that from earlier and all that. It makes make it a lot, must make it a lot more fun to win this game because uh-huh. of that. Uh, yeah, we can brag now. So, what uh, what's next? What happens now? Just we're all no back again, getting ready for the playoffs when we got a time. All right, we've got to start there. I mean, I think you know, mm-hmm. you know, this is one of the great things about the four A conferences here in this area that maybe we're unique to a lot of other areas. We had probably two, if not three, conferences that were still in limbo with the last Friday. Mm-hmm. Of the year. Um, you know, I'm going to go to the panel again for open discussion here. How far can Indy go? We know they got a first round matchup with Paige, who played Grimsley tough, so they start there. Uh, I'll open this up for discussion. How far can Indy me go? me. So <laughs> I, I say me, me, because I, it, it's kind of exciting to see that independence is back in the discussion again uh, of being a contender. And quite honestly, uh, they are one of the there's a, a, a few teams that have the potential to go all the way. And, and quite honestly, I'm classifying them as one of those handful of teams that has that potential uh, to go all the way. So. Big things that they can accomplish. I, I would like to see an Independence Olympic matchup. Um, I think we're going to see that in. second round. Yeah. Um, I, I personally think Independence is the most complete team you're going to see. Now, I, they, there's some dynamic areas in other teams, you know, Chambers and defense from Huff, but I'm talking about a complete team, really good defense. Um, they got a bit of closeout games. But you're talking about sound offense where you can't get a beat on them. They're able to run the ball really, really well. 
They're really able to throw the ball well. You got a young quarterback that doesn't understand that he's a sophomore. I think they're going to be a tough out in these playoffs. Um, I think that if they catch fire, I think Cox Mill has a very capability. They're very balanced as well. It just depends on how well their defense upholds. You know, Cox Mill, Independence defense, both of them, if they step up, I think they can make deeper runs than what people are thinking, personally. Dale, we got to go to you. Uh, you know, big time game for one of the you know teams on the south side, probably their biggest game of the year. Got R.J. Kale at Mallet Creek. We know R.J. Kale had that tough loss for the conference championship, effectively versus Olympic. How do you think they match up against one of the probably best defenses in the city in Mallet Creek? So I think this is a lot like the Weddington game for them, and in that Weddington game where where R.J. Kale faltered was after they were up. And then Weddington was able to come back by punching them, you know, a lot of physicality. They kind of wilted back. And I, I love the Audrey Kell program, all the kids around it, but they're going to have to play tough in this game because, quite honestly, uh, they're going to see physicality at, at a minimum of the same level that they saw with Weddington. So uh, it, it's going to be a t- – this is a, a tall wall to get over, I think. I can understand that. Cam, we're talking to you again. So Lake Norman Cox Mill, again, I always tell you guys I don't talk about my other teams, but I think someone like you, Cam, who's seen our, you know, both of the teams in action, you know, what are your thoughts there? Again, a conference rematch from literally three weeks ago. Uh, what are you looking for in this matchup? I don't see it being close, if I'm being completely honest. I think you guys at Coxville, you roll again. Um, you know, like you said, it's a rematch from just a few short weeks ago. I don't think either team has – I mean, either gotten so much better or worse in that short amount of time. So I think you guys, you know, take it pretty easily. All right, uh, Gary, um, uh, you know, taking it back to some of your old stomping grounds. To me, this is the best game on this slate in the first round and probably the best game out of all four classifications. If there was a game that I could go to that I, if I didn't have a game to attend, it would be Hickory Ridge at Butler. I think this is going to yes. be a rocking game with two excellent teams that kind of got to the raw end of the deal due to some late season losses. Can you give me your take on this game? Well, um, from a Hickory Ridge perspective, is which team shows up. I mean, I think they've been Jekyll and Hyde all year. Um, they blow out average teams, average to, to bad teams. And then when they play competitive teams, they they don't show up. Um, so they've never beaten Butler before. Um, you know, prior to realignment, they were in the same conference as Butler and, and – um, you know, played them a couple of close games in Butler, but never could get over the hump. And that's what we've talked about Hickory Ridge all season. Uh, can they? Jason, Side, Jason Seidel was able to beat Butler that one year on their homecoming, but that was. Yeah. That can was they compete with the big boys from, from Mecklenburg County? And, of course, Butler is one of the big boys from Mecklenburg County. So, um, talent-wise, it's, it's, it's probably even, but. You know, Butler has big game experience, and Hickory Ridge haven't hasn't lived up to uh, the big games that they've had on their schedule. So, um, you know, it's a new season for everybody. So maybe they change that. But if, if we're just going on the eye test from what I've seen this season, I expect Butler to win. I understand that. Got to hit the guru. Hey, this is, again, probably one of the biggest games on the slate. What is your take here, Hickory Ridge Butler? Well, I, I think 
Um, I, I think I've got to go with Butler. I think Butler is probably the better team. I agree with Gary. You know, Hickory Ridge is so Jekyll and Hyde. You don't know which team uh, is going to show up sometimes in some of these games. Uh, I think potentially wise, I think Hickory Ridge very much has all the tools they need to win the game, and they very well may, but I just feel like for whatever reason, Butler is just a little bit more physical in a few different spots. Although, uh, you know, Butler's got some concerns. I wonder about Butler's secondary and some things like that. Uh, but another team that I just want to throw out there that I think a lot of people are just completely uh, overlooking, and if, and it's a big if, if they can get around this first-round game, but I have a feeling that they might. I just have a feeling that Reagan's a team, that if they can get past Charlotte Catholic, is a team that could easily knock off Grimsley in the second round and potentially even wreck that top half of the bracket and end up playing uh, Mallet Creek in, like, the fourth round. I just think that uh, Coach Josh McGee's a Reagan team. Uh, they got some great-looking young talent on that team. Uh, that, that I just think a lot of. I just think that's a team that uh, everybody continues to overlook. And even if you go back and look at Reagan's games against East Forsyth and some of the other big teams, almost beat Grimsley earlier in the year, I think this Reagan team's a, a dark horse and nobody's really talking about. No, I agree. I saw them uh, actually scrimmage Shelby um, early in the year. And, I mean, they're an aggressive team. I think, like I said, it's battle-tested that has that ability to, to hang with any of the teams out here. Um, Cam, I think you said you had something uh, regarding Hickory Ridge Butler. Yeah, going back to that game, you know, I, I picked Hickory Ridge. They're actually my sleeper in that bottom right quadrant. I've got them going to the third round and ultimately playing Chambers, setting up a rematch of not only this season but last year in the playoffs. But uh, I think Hickory Ridge, like Gary said, you know, which Hickory Ridge team will show up if the one shows up that, you know, has a great offensive scheme, you know, plays good defense, shows up. I think they could very easily beat Butler. But if you got the one that, you know, folds under pressure like the one against Chambers this season, I think, you know, they could very easily lose. So it's kind of up in the air, but I ultimately see them winning and probably beating Mooresville in the second round. Ooh, you guys are disrespecting Mooresville. They already beat them. What more can they do? I mean, yeah, they've I, already pounded hard, hard to beat a good team I was team say, they pounded them yeah. by <laughs> close. I, I think – I do think one we we are undervaluing more as well. I mean, I think you know the, the running back Howell is one of the best running backs um, in the state, and I think he's definitely um, you know isn't looked at in that same way. Um, but one of the big matchups to me with this Hickory Ridge Butler game, I think, is the Hickory Ridge receivers versus that Butler secondary. I think you know that's going to be a challenge they've got to step up to. You know, we talk about the the you know the guys in the box. The Coleman brothers um, are extremely tough inside the box, but we know Hickory Ridge and Gary. You can attest to this more than I can. If they don't run it more than 15 times, offensive coordinator Nick Entos is fine with throwing that ball all around the park. And I think Caden Haywood is the best quarterback that but that Butler secondary seen all year. So I'm excited to hear about that matchup between Zach Lawrence and Caden Haywood. Who's able to be more successful? Who's able to limit those turnovers? I think that's been a key in those Butler's games where they've lost. You talk about New Hampshire over had the fumbles and the picks you look at the independence game had a, had a couple and just starting slow so it, this if there was going to be a crisis game of the week it would have been uh this game for sure but also um again i want to get, get you guys thoughts on chambers again they started the year number one in the sweet 16 poll they lost a couple tough games i mean i think that most teams would have but we see they're turning around at the right time giving one of their best performances of the game against mallet creek cam actually was out there and caught up with some of the chambers guys after the game all right, KC, just opening thoughts on the win over your all-tribal. Um, it was an amazing team win. Team played great overall. Offense, defense, special teams, everybody played great. And so, you know, what do you think the team needs to improve on heading into the playoff season? Um, just execution. Uh, coming out of the second half, we started a little slow, but we started to pick it back up. You feel me? So um, just, just an execution part. 
And are you feeling healthy now? I noticed earlier in the season you were a little banged up, came out in the game, a little shaken up. Are you feeling healthy, ready to yes, go? Yes, sir, uh, definitely. Yeah, uh, we are definitely ready for playoffs, for sure. But uh, our game plan to come in and stop the run. We didn't think they can beat us throwing the ball. We thought if they get into throwing the ball, that's sort of our game. That plays in our hands. So that was the game plan. So heading into the playoffs, what are the few, you know, knick-knacky things you want your guys to clean up on? Uh, we got to, First of all, we got to clean up on penalties. We got uh, to play better against the run. And then uh, we got to tackle better, too. I thought we tackled poorly in some spots as well. Uh, we swung some guys around instead of putting our pads on them. Uh, we got to get better at that. You said set the tone. What's this do to really set the tone going into playoff season? Um, our goal is to have an undefeated October um, and just to have momentum into the playoffs. It, it's good. We'll see what the seeding process goes. But at the end of the day, I feel like we're one of the best teams in the state. And so what can you say about Zion, KC, and Anshon's performance tonight? All three of them played excellent game and uh, you know, ultimately got the two-score win. Yeah, um, they, they made the plays that came to them. Um, they, they, they created separation. Um, they called it when the moment was big, they made the play. So um, hats off to those guys. And so what do you think the team needs to improve on heading into you know playoff season now? Um, just improving on situations. We always want to make sure that we're, we're, we're keen on special teams, on um, two-minute drill, four-minute drill, things like that. So I'm um, going into it just to keep momentum. Uh, eliminate the, the bonehead penalties, man. I think that's something that we can uh, – that's a, a rumor, rumor improvement right there. But other than that, man, the guys playing hard, they're fighting hard. I can't ask for much more. I, yeah, that's how I know. Cam, you got to get in there. I don't know who this Anshine guy, Anshine guy you're talking about. His name's Bubba. If you saw the way he performed and all that tape and stuff like that, that was Bubba out there. It's the Anshine guy, he, he's the guy Money. in the classroom. But Money to Thursday. Resident Chambers, as I call him, expert, prognosticator, whatever we want to call him as. Gary, what did you think about that performance, and what do you think about their ability to go far in this bracket? You know, I, I could tell it was a big game. I, I went down on the field doing the pregame, and one of the things that stood out to me is Mallet Creek was emotional. You know, they were emotional. Chambers played with emotion, and there's a difference. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, emotional, you, you, you lose all your composure. You, you, your attitude fluctuates and your body language fluctuates. Whereas um, I thought Chambers, they were used to that atmosphere. The moment wasn't too big for them. That's what they expect. They were extremely physical. Uh, and the Mount Creek was physical too. Mount Creek's the biggest football team I've seen all year. But, you know, Chambers matched them hit to hit, you know, and um, you could tell that when it got close in the third quarter, Chambers didn't blink, and Mallet Creek blinked. And um, I just think in, in the quad that Chambers is in, they're going to dominate. They're going to dominate that quad. There ain't nobody in that that 18 bracket that can mess with them. Nobody. Yeah, no, I, I think so, and I think they've got a great chance there. And, I mean, even though they did not get the, uh, the conference championship seeding there, I feel like they made out better by not getting that seeding. Um, let's go to someone who's actually played both of these teams. Speaking, of course, more on Chambers right now, uh, Sam Griner, you know, you just recently played this West Charlotte team. I'm sorry, you just recently played this Julius Chambers team. You're a West Charlotte team, of course, going against them. Give me your thoughts on that program. I know you guys held, you know, held it tough against them. What do you what do you think they, they look like? And now that you're not in the same bracket, how far do you think they can go? Yeah, I think it, you know, it worked out great for them in the bracket that they are in. Um, you're staying away from the guys in the conference. I think some of the guys that are used to playing against their intensity would be like the Mallard Creeks and the Huffs, and they're in the different quadrant. Um, and I think that's important for their success because I honestly think, you know, Huff, 
you know, there's a potential matchup in the semi or the or the regional final. I think they could both can match up. And I think that Huff matches up really well with them. But, you know, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And uh, Chambers has been in the state championship, what, the last three years, four years, three years, four years. That's right, four years. Yeah, so this is where they play good football. It, I mean, it's going to be tough. I mean, I think that's, you know, something to, to add there. Like you said, just about not blinking. Sucks. So, I mean, Huff, you know, look at his bracket. They've got East Forsyth or Mount, Mount Creek there and then potentially seeing East Forsyth after that. I mean, that is got a gauntlet and a sick reward for winning, you know, being designated as the conference champion. Um, Dale, I'll go first to you. Um, you give me your thoughts on this. Well, I, I just wanted to make a comment. I said me, me, because of Gary's comment about, playing with emotion and being emotional. And I would have hoped that Mallard Creek would have learned a lesson from the Huff uh, game back. I know we don't want to talk too much about previous, but say about a decade ago when Huff beat them in the regular season and faced them in the playoffs. And Mallard Creek in that game played with emotion. I mean, they were not emotional. They played with emotion, whereas Huff was just the opposite. And of course, the, the team that had the emotion and was an emotional one. Uh, it's something that teams have to really, and coaches have got to really get under control, is that emotion. And I, uh, I'll i ask you guys when we get offline. I do have a couple of questions about that game, but uh, it's not belabor thing. I mean, let's just, let's be honest, though. Let's don't discredit Porter Ridge, who plays, you know, a tough schedule in their own right. They are really good defensively, and I think that, their first matchup Chambers has with Porter Ridge is a little bit more sneaker one than we're giving it credit to. You know, Porter Ridge is really good coaching staff. They're defensive-minded guys. Uh, it's the head coach. He does a great job. I, I mean, I still remember from way back in 17, he did some adjustments that, you know, I'm still impressed with, and I think that he'll be prepared in this game. It's just I don't know if they have enough firepower to go with Chambers. Highly disciplined team. That's the, the well. The we've got to remember, Sam, them. that you know they actually again with, with the you know with the shotgun option that they they run is a little unique. But actually, Julius Chambers actually faced them last year, so they are familiar. They have had experience. I think that helps when you're seeing an offense that you know you don't normally are not accustomed to seeing. So I do think that piece is there again. You talk about Danny Kennedy being one of their explosive guys. The Stephen, I think Zayakowski is the way you pronounce his name. He's, mm -hmm. He plays on both sides of the ball. They have guys that are going to you know provide some issues there for Julius Chambers. Um, it was a tight I, game last year, wasn't it? It was pretty tight. I remember seeing. I went to it. I, I think early it was tight. I think Chambers again in, in kind of their typical fashion broke away at the end. But you know, I, like I said, I do think that that them being able to see uh, them prior, you know, gives them a little bit of a basis. And a lot of the kids from the Chambers team being familiar with that style of offense will will lend you know a little bit better for and, them. And, and, um, and, and last thing, you know, I don't know if I should say this, but like Chambers is really good with the intimidation factor. You know, they they're going to be rowdy. They're going to you know they're going to be doing their deal that could be at the 50 yard line you know getting ready before the game and how does Porter Ridge and other teams in this brackets you know match up with that do they do they like oh gosh that's Chambers and you know spot them 14 points right from the get-go or do they rally up and play with emotion like Gary was talking about before that's something that we're gonna see and I don't know I think it helped like someone like West Charlotte when we but played, if, we if you're that. not used to playing with that type of emotion Mm -hmm. And you turn it becomes emotional. Yeah. You know, and and Chambers Porter Ridge is too disciplined emotion. to become emotional. But the question yeah. is, can they play with emotion? Because they're gonna need some extra element to compete with Chambers. 
Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. No, without question there. And uh, Cam, I'll go to you for final word. Yeah, I just think any team that can put up 27 on Mallory Creek's defense is, is legit and ready to roll. Um, Zion Booker's playing incredible right now. KC's finally healthy. I just think they're ready to make a big push. Agreed. I think their stars are coming together at the right time, kind of as expected for sure. But, you know, again, guys, that's been a great breakdown. I mean, I think Chris, you know, Guru, thank you for, you know, for you guys, you know, on the east side. Jack was amazing. Alex Bass, of course, per usual. I think that was phenomenal. People don't understand how big an undertaking that is to go through those brackets. So, Guru, we already know we get you kind of wearing the four or five of, of your the second half of your Jordan stage of your career. Um, so thank you for that. Again, everything that you, you have done. Um, let's get to Chelsea's world, though. You know, I think, you know, she's been doing a phenomenal job. She's in the early stage of her career. She actually has an interview with Providence Day's Channing Goodwin. The last name may be familiar to you. His father, Jonathan, played at Michigan and in the NFL. So let's get to Chelsea's world with her phenomenal interview. This week, I'm interviewing wide receiver from Providence Day School, Channing Goodwin. So, Channing, I want to talk about this Friday, you guys play your first playoff game of the season against Charlotte Country Day. What can we expect from that game? What are you looking forward to? Um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's the uh, first playoff game for us. Uh, we were able to play them early in the season. Thankfully, uh, uh, we were able to get the game. So, uh, it's, not, it's never easy to beat a team twice, but hopefully we can get it done this Friday. So. For sure. And speaking of winning and some losses, talk about the season overall, how you guys ended four and one and you know, your favorite games. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, we went four and one in the conference this year. So uh, our conference is always tough, you know, so that's pretty good. Pretty good also. And, you know, we had um, a lot of great games this year, but uh, the main one that definitely stands out to me uh, the most, I would say, is the Charlotte Catholic game. You know, uh, we was on the road that game and, uh, Went in there and then scored on the last game-winning drive. So that game was uh, really fun the whole way through. Absolutely. And kind of going back into your favorite game, you know, you mentioned Charlotte Catholic. Talk about a game that really, you know, emphasizes your performance as an athlete. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, there's definitely a couple games that come to mind when you ask that. Um, you know, uh, being, being playing both ways for my team, uh, offense, offense and defense. Uh, I would probably say uh, the high school game was one of my better games personally. You know, uh, I scored four touchdowns that game. So uh, uh, for me personally, that would, be, that would probably be the best one. But I'm just glad as a team we're able to get the win. Sure. And Channing, football runs in the family. Kind of talk about how you grew up with the sport and what it means to you. Uh, yeah, football definitely uh, runs in my family. You know, uh, a lot of uh, football players uh, – that are related to me. Um, I mean, it means a lot, you know, uh, growing up, uh, I was used to watch my dad play, watch my dad play all those years. Uh, it was something I always knew I wanted to do. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it means a whole bunch to me. Uh, definitely a lot more than a game. So, um, yeah, just seeing, seeing that my dad is that role model coming up, uh, I knew it was definitely something I wanted to do. Absolutely. And speaking of football in the future, I know you're in the recruiting process and you just got an offer from South Carolina. Kind of tell us about the process so far. I know you've had some visits, some interest offers. About it. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's been definitely been crazy. You know, um, things definitely been picking up a little bit. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, South Carolina did recently just offer me, and 
I visited a couple schools so far this fall, like um, NC State, uh, Kentucky, Michigan, and uh, I'm planning on going to Virginia Tech and Wake Forest in the future. So um, things are definitely picking up, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to uh, make a decision coming soon. Absolutely. And between all these schools, what are some qualities of school that really would make it the one for you? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, definitely a place I feel like I can uh, help the program out, you know, a place uh, I can go in and expect to win, you know, uh, that, that's definitely a thing uh, I want to keep doing, you know. Uh, um, and, you know, just like I said earlier, just a place I feel like I can go in and uh, help the team win and do whatever I can. Absolutely, for sure. Well, I know when the time comes, you'll pick a great school. And best of luck this Friday. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Josh continues to set the bar high. I mean, Guru, I think that's been a, a blessing for us to have her on there again. Yeah, I don't know who, too many shows that go from someone the quality of Kinsey to now having, uh, you know, Chelsea's World, and that, that's been phenomenal for us. So. Speaking of Kinsey, speaking of Kinsey, she, like, ripped me the other day about on Twitter. <laughs> Did y'all see that at all? Yeah. Did not, I missed that. I yeah, saw she, it. She was talking about you still have the same feelings about Hooker, you know, me and you were arguing about um, – you know, UNC's quarterback, Drake May, and I said, yeah, that actually proved my point more because he had five touchdowns this last game. No, 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 like, no, no. Okay. It's okay. You can, be, you can be wrong. I know you'll never admit it. You're like, you're not wrong. That's true. That's that amazing true. how you stay married and you can't admit being wrong. <clears throat> but anyway, let's talk about being right. So let's go go forward with these brackets here. So we've got the private school, the NC, what is it, NCISAA uh, playoff brackets have been released this weekend. We'll start with Division Two, As we know, last year, Division Two was won by uh, the Cannon School, who has been uh, subsequently bumped up to Division One. So, again, we'll have a new champion here this year. Uh, let's look at the top half of the bracket. Guru, I'll start with you and anybody else uh, is free to, to join in. Uh, we know Asheville School here has gotten the one seed there. It uh, looks like that's at five and three. Sorry, I can't see it as well. Uh, six and three, excuse me. Uh, they will play the winner of Hickory Grove Christian and the High Point Christian Academy. Academy. Guru, I mean, I, I love Ash, Asheville School. They've had a great year so far. Uh, Hickory Grove has actually been pretty good. Actually has a victory over Covenant Day. Do we mm. see the winner of that 4-5 game potentially upsetting Asheville School? Potentially. If it's Hickory Grove, uh, they, they've definitely been strong um, for a while. Um, and, and even Trinity Christian out of Fayetteville is a really tough team. I've kind of followed them throughout the year. Uh, Harold's even at three and seven, that's a sneaky good three and seven team. Uh, there are some teams that could potentially make some noise. Uh, but I really, you know, if I was going to go out on a limb, I'm going to say your record is what you say it is. And it's going to be between that Asheville school and most likely that Hickory Grove as the favorite uh, going into the latter weeks of uh, November. For sure. No, I understand. I, I think that Hickory Grove Christians, good. they can get it together. Again, this is, I think, the best season they've had in their history. Um, they, you know, get phenomenal players that we've highlighted on Fresh Faces and Grice's Gems all year. Um, Anthony Hawkins, again, is a guy that to look for that we've highlighted as over 1,600 yards rushing. Mm -hmm. I, if they get a chance and I think, you know, can, can catch Asheville School and travel up there and get a victory, I think they would love another matchup against Covenant Day, which was I think was a one-point victory for them. So a big-time chance there. But even on the bottom, like you said, you pointed out Trinity Christian. Covenant Day has done well. I know we highlighted Big K, um, you know, big defensive guy. We just had Shooty as the uh, Grice's gym guy who got the call. Their defense, I think, is going to lead them and, and, and be one of the, the parts for Covenant Day that's going to be effective. So I, I like their chances as far as Covenant Day, but if Hickory Grove can get there, it's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah. And the one key thing, just before we move on to Division One, which is obviously what we, a lot of us want to talk about, 
uh, you mentioned traveling to Asheville. I mean, that is a haul uh, and for some of these teams. And I do think that that home field advantage, a uh, unique setting up there at Asheville School, uh, I think that that does give the Blues a little bit of an advantage uh, looking forward. Oh, agreed. Like I said, I think this Division Two bracket, you know, while on the beginning, it may need some some dust settling there. But that if we get another rematch from that Hickory Grove Covenant Day uh, game there, that might be a must-see TV there for sure. So excited to see, you know, what that can become. But here, let's go to Division One. I think this is one a lot of people are looking at again. A lot of the names and teams here, I think everyone's familiar with. Uh, first, I'll, I'll start at the top here. Again, we've got a familiar foes with Providence Day facing uh, Charlotte Country Day. Um, you know, that one through eight game, I, I think Providence Day was dominant in their victory of them. And I don't even think Jaden Davis played. I think the the backup quarterback, I can't think of his name, uh, had a good performance against them in that game. So, you know, even you know, all, state, all systems go with good, you know, Shannon Gowen, um, Jaden Davis, Jordan Ship, Chris Peel. I mean, I think it's going to be very tough uh, for Country Day to spring the upset there, Gru. Am I, am I wrong in that? No, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think Providence Day is most likely just going to march right through this top half of the bracket. I think all of us on this show would most likely agree uh, what Coach Chad Greer and, and Jaden Davis and company have done is phenomenal. Uh, you know, we just had Channing a good one on, and this year alone he's had like 58 catches for 787 yards and like 12 touchdowns. And, and in his career, he's almost at 2,000 yards, about 20, 30 some touchdowns. I mean, I mean, you know, those weapons are, are unmistakable over Providence Day. Uh, but I, I think that this is a two team race in the private school ranks. I look at the bottom gap and you see Raven Gap. You know, I'm going to go back to a um, a Grice's gyms that we had a few weeks ago when we actually had Jaden Davis on, who was talking about that upcoming trip all the way down to Georgia to play yeah. Raven Gap, and said, you know, we don't want to take that long bus ride with no Wi-Fi, with no internet signal, and now they're not going to have to. Uh, but you remember, that was a 24-21 victory over Raven Gap. I think Raven Gap is every bit the best team, or at least one of the best teams. Uh, I think that, you know, their quarterback, uh, Gavin Owens, he's only a sophomore, uh, but he's got like four different receivers. He's got 20, 25, 4, 35 uh, receptions to or completions to. Uh, and I think that deep defense at Raven Gap is very much strong enough uh, to contain that Providence team. So, you know, I know that we're hating to look ahead to the, the end of December championship game, uh, but I think that it's hard for us to just not think about a rematch of Raven Gap and Providence Day. Well, and you over to, to Georgia, Georgia, not down. They're up there in that upper corner. So we talk about that with Cannon School. You know, again, that first year in D1, they, you know, have a phenomenal year and get a seven seed. I, I really thought that they were hard done with that. I, I didn't think that they got something favorable there. We talk about their offense with Tyler Green. We've highlighted him in years past. Again, going up there with a you know formidable offense, I, I, it's going to be tough. I think Raven Gap may be successful, but I, I really wanted to point out, I think Cannon School not getting a great seed there. We look at that Charlotte Christian game as a potential rematch, which was within two touchdowns, I think, 24 to 10. Uh, I, I think both of those games – Maybe a little tougher for Raven Gap than, than one might think. Uh, Dale, I'll go to you first for your comments. Yeah, I think that bracket's going to come down to Raven Gap and uh, Charlotte Christian. Whoever comes out of that game is who's going to face uh, Providence Day. That's you know, one, Raven Gap is a uh, that that's a heck of a strong team. Don't be you know, fooled I, by that seven and three record. The, the, those losses are to great teams. Yeah, just to, to some. Uh, Real Chattanooga, like I can't remember the four. Yeah, number five. Like they the play big time teams. Exactly, big time teams. 
I got I got something to say about Charlotte Christian. I think that a lot of people are not giving a lot of credit to Michael Barrow or Barrow, I guess how you pronounce it, the guy that played in the NFL for many, many years. He actually took over this defense about halfway through the season. And you can see, you know, huge progress in their schematics of what they're trying to do with Christian. And um, he actually came and talked to some of our guys at West Charlotte. And you're talking about a guy you'd play for. I mean, he was intense. Uh, and uh, if he's getting those guys going, playing at a different level, he's been there since they played Providence Day and they're playing with a different type of emotion on that side of the ball. Um, I'd like to see that matchup with Charlie Christian and, and Raven Gap. And uh, potentially if they can have that momentum, seeing that big matchup between Providence Day, you know, Providence Day is wanting that game themselves. But could Charlie Christian overcome, you know, that emotion they're going to play with and be able to, you know, get them again? That would be kind of pretty, pretty big. And even though they beat them before, it'd be a bigger upset this time. That's a good so point. Charlotte Christian beat Providence Day playing with emotion, not being emotional. Uh, no, I'm saying with dead. Providence, I said that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Providence, they would be going into that game with a lot of emotion and being able to overcome that, even though I'm some saying Charlotte Christian could play with emotion. You know, we're big on emotion <laughs> this this segment today, but I'm saying yeah. that Charlotte Christian has got more championships than anybody on this whole list. There's something to say that that coach has been there a long time, and there's something about winning tradition. You know, it's like those great teams, you know, like the Independence Days and stuff. It's it's hard to beat a team like that. They understand what they have to do, about the setup, how they prepare, those type of deals. And I think their missing link was their defense coordinator, and this guy's been there for the halfway part of the season and they're hitting their stride now. They could be, even though they're a number three seat, they could potentially win this thing. They got to get by Braven Gap again, though. No, I Gap has one win against them so far. Cam, go do you for the final word. Yeah, I think – I'll just say it. I think it's Providence Day versus Charlotte Christian. I think Providence Day gets it done this time. I think – Charlotte Christian and that Raven gap will be a very close game. I think Charlotte Christian edges them out very late, maybe scores a late touchdown or late field goal, but I think Providence Day doesn't squander a lead this time against Charlotte Christian. All right. Uh, that's our private school breakdown. Um, we actually got a special fresh faces this week. I'm excited for us to, to highlight this. Check the video for us to talk about our, our special little twist on fresh faces. All right, we're back. GG here for Fresh Faces. We've got a little spin on it. I think Langston's got a sense of humor. We've got a freshman Fresh Faces. So, again, all the guys you see here are going to be freshmen that have made a big impact on their varsity football teams here this season. Let's start here in the Charlotte area, Providence. Jackson DB. And Friday's 49-0 win over East Mecklenburg, the freshman quarterback was four for six passing, 151 yards, and I think in two touchdowns. He ran three times for 47 yards and a touchdown as well. Hey, Grinder, we've got a freshman here that's showing he can do it on a big-time stage. What do you see here in this kid? I mean, he's got a great release. Do you see his release? It comes out like a little fiery gun. It's got a whip to it. I mean, this kid's a freshman, big arm, and be able to run it with his legs too. A lot of times your athleticism as a freshman is not quite there. This guy's got it all right now as a freshman. I mean, it makes you think, like, this guy could be playing and we'd be talking about him for the years to come easily. Oh, I agree. I mean, everybody, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, Luke Bailey and everything. They've got a future budding star Providence here at quarterback, and he's got that size. Doesn't look like the freshman I knew growing up. <laughs> he does not Is look it, like I know. 
Is he a, was he a starter on day one or did he earn the keep? You know, I, uh, I don't know. Right. I think he may have you know may have you know, emerged on, but again, he yeah. may be approaching that for next year. So we'll look forward to, to seeing what he can do next year for sure. Let's go up into the Piedmont Triad area. Jalen Moore of Reagan. I've heard about this kid, ninth grade running back, ran 22 times for 298 yards against West Forsyth um, on October 7th. Reagan's doing pretty well. They're eight and two this year. For the season, he is leading the team in rushing with 57 carries for 717 yards and five touchdowns, averaging a first down every time he gets the ball at 12.6 yards per carry. Connor, <laughs> you love to run the ball. This kid would be great for you. Yes. I mean, look at him. He's not very tall in stature. He hides behind the line well, but he's got a great burst. Um, he's like got a little Darian Sproles to him, you know, and, and this guy's got some good wiggle to him, but he's got yeah. a good burst that he can finish it off. I just wish he got two more yards. I needed that three bucket on there, you know. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, I mean, again, like you said, he's smaller in stature, but he looks to be natural with that ball in his hands. And I think Reagan's going to be a tough out for anybody in these playoffs today. <coughs> Solid season. We can see why they're doing well. Let's go down east to Rocky Mount. Uh, Tavares Parker here leads the state's freshman with six and a half sacks this season and nine games played. He also has 53 total tackles this season. Again, a kid like this <clears throat> playing on the defensive line is a big time guy. Grinder, we know we know you love defensive guys and really good guys with high motors. He looks like he fits the bill here. Yeah, I love – I mean, they got the slow-mo version going on right here because he's so fast we wouldn't be able to see him on film. So we went slow-mo just so we can see this quick freshman of the D-line. <laughs> oh, again, you know, you, you got to have those guys. But I love, you know, down east, we seem to have a lot of, you know, a lot of great long lanky defensive ends. I mean, we know that's basketball country as well. But some of these guys that are just so natural getting off the ball and making plays. You see the speed. He looked like he might have been out leveraged there by the quarterback. He made that speed up in a hurry. Yeah. Oh, ate it up quick. Oh, definitely. Let's go into the Raleigh metro area here with Braylon Peebles and Cardinal Gibbons. He's number two among uh, North Carolina freshmen in punt returns, and mm. he leads the states in kick returns among freshmen, averaging 21.38 yards per return. He also has 28 tackles at defensive back. So, again, a kid that can bring it on defense, and if he gets the ball in his hand, he can turn it, you know, some defense into offense. Brian, I know you love good defensive backs here that are that are very versatile like this. What do we see in the little film we have here, kid? Well, the guy's not afraid to commit to a hit. I mean, that's the thing you worry about as a freshman playing. Are you physically capable to play in varsity games? This guy can come up, doesn't understand his size yet. He's just like firing through people. It's all about momentum. You know, he studied the laws of gravity. What's in motion? You know, we'll stay in – I don't know what is it is. What is it, Newton law of motion or something like that? This guy right here is flying around sacrificing his body going through people as a freshman. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Grinder, we get a Newton's law of motion in here. That lets you know, again, a guy, big-time performance. You can see here playing his chambers in game one. So he's been a guy that's been out there all year. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, love this. Again, we wanted to highlight some of the freshest of fresh faces on this segment. Again, Braylon Peoples is a great example of Mark <laughs> Gibbons, as were the, the reigning fresh faces for this week. Again, if you would like to be on here at Fresh Faces, reach out to us at Observer Preps. Reach out at Langston Wirtz Jr. You can re reach out to me at Coach Jay Grice. You know, again, Fresh Faces, we're glad to highlight guys as we close the regular season. We're going to see in the playoffs, there's going to be some guys that you aren't aware about where we're going to wonder, why is this team still playing? So if you mm -hmm. feel like you're in that mold, you feel like a kid that needs to be, you know, needs to be shown, please reach out to us. All right, man, here we go. Us three again, at it again. I see us right here in the big three shot. Uh, so um, it is almost time uh, to close the door. Um, so, hey, let's go ahead and lock it up. We're right here. Welcome to another edition of Thunderdome. <laughs>
question, question for you, Grice. Did um did you go trick or treating with the fam, or did you stay at home and you kind of give out candy? I stayed at home with the sleep. <laughs> hey, man, <laughs> hey, I, uh, kids around the grind is real. Oh, too old to be getting candy. I hey, love you guys. Hey, if, all that, but no. I'm telling you right now, if your kids ever get to meet Grice, Grice is the best like kid grown up person there is in America. Like my kids literally pull for his team. When we were going against them in the past, no, oh, I had the best. Yeah, yo, drama right there, the best no, costume no, ever. Costume of the year, <laughs> worked it perfectly. Jack Sparrow, that grinder. You, yeah, you won Halloween. You won. <laughs> My little man makes me look better than what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> I don't know, grinder. Is that an eyeshadow or whatever? Is that? It's still. St- I might have a little in there still. Kids are picking on me all day. I mean, I don't want to be a uh, someone that wears makeup. I can tell you that because taking it off is brutal. <laughs> it is brutal. You wear it well, man. Um, we before we get to it, we got a question, but I do want to. You're the home team, Sam. Are you going to kick? Or are you going to receive today? You going to defer? I'm deferring. It's playoff time, baby. We want to see All what right. we can do. We're going to sit down on the saddle and let's roll. All right, um, and I assume uh, you're going to receive, Grice. Always. All right. All right. Hey, before we get started, though, Grice. Um, Coach Griner, I want to ask you this question: uh, What do you think about the NFL special that is coming out this Wednesday? Oh, that's um, it's a huge blessing. Uh, many, many years ago, 2017, 2018, I was able to go, you know, Thomas Davis was able to take me up to the Pro Bowl. And I went there with my father. Me and my father don't get to do a lot of things together. And uh, they sat us down and, you know, asked how we got here and things like that and told them about the story of Brahim. Well, you know, fast forward five years later, they reached out to Brahim and I and, and they did a, a great special. And I can't wait to see it. I don't know what it's going to be necessarily – directed towards, but it'll be on at 930 tomorrow on FS1. And then uh, later on, uh, a week later, it'll be on NFL Films as well. So it's only going to be about 15 minutes long, I believe. They're going to have another special with it. But uh, 930, tune in to FS1. I think it'll be a really cool deal. Good stuff. Uh, Outstanding. Can't wait to watch it. All right, man, here we go. Coach Grice, first question, Coach versus Coach Knight's coming to you. Uh, Should P.J. Walker – remain as the Panthers starter ahead of Mayfield or Darnold? I'll say no, but for a different reason. You know, I, I definitely think P.J. Walker is competent and can execute and do everything that I think the Panthers need them to do. I would love to see Mayfield under that same circumstance. I think this team is a vastly different team than under Matt Rule. I think we can say that Mayfield got hurt in the game. I was at the San Francisco game while Matt Rule was still the coach. We're seeing a rejuvenation from this team. We're seeing both sides of the ball. We're seeing DJ Moore. It's all of these players that are responding differently under Steve Wilkes. If I've put and invested that kind of capital into Baker Mayfield, I'd want to see him under a, a different, you know, under under a different coach. It's only helped a guy like PJ Walker. And I do think there is some raw talent there with Baker Mayfield. Give him a shot with an actual coach who seems to want, want him to be successful. Successful. He's really helped PJ Walker out, who's looked different even with that change. Let's see if Baker Mayfield can do the same thing. You know, it's not a bad point what Grice is making. It was, you know, I think that you want to see with the new coaching regime with Steve Wilkes how Baker Mayfield can, you know, uphold what his end of the bargain. And because you want to know what you're doing in the future, you know. But PJ Walker, how many yards did we throw it? Was it 67 yards or was it 71 yards? What in the air? Um, I think it goes well with what they're trying to do, like being able to run the football and then take the top off. Uh, if you're able to take the top off with P.J. Walker because he does have the big arm, I think it can uh, bring a different dynamic to this team in which they need. Um, as Dale would say, if, you know, D.J. Moore 
you know, who played with emotion, who made the catch, but got emotional and took his helmet off, might have cost him the game at the end. I think that going forward, they're going to be a tough out, and I think they're going to win more games than they lose. And uh, I think you might see Steve Wilkes as uh, potentially the head coach down the, the, the end, and P.J. Walker could be looking at the starting job for the future. No, Brian, hold on. I, I, your point is good there, but no, let's stop. Let's stop blaming DJ Moore. My kicker has one less. Kick true. I, I'm true. Eddie true. Pinero. I'm sorry. My kicker made one from 40, 48. Sam Weber, Cox Mill kicker. Look him up. Made one from 48 or no, actually it was 50. I'm sorry. It's 50. I apologize, Sam. It was 50. Yeah. With Eddie Pinero can't make one from 33 and missed two shorter. field goals. No. Get him out of here. You're in the NFL. I don't care if DJ did the Macarena in the end zone. Yeah, you can he, make a freaking 30, 40 yard I, kick. You can't. No, I agree. Get out I of the done, NFL. I would have done the same thing. I thought he won the game. Like by that time, you're thinking they're down five and the game is over, anyways. I probably would have done the same thing. I would have punted my helmet into the. I, I don't want Eddie on my Cox Mill High School team. Get him out of here. <laughs> The, the, the goalposts are more narrow. In I don't the care. NFL. My kicker ain't. I, my, my guy Sam Weber can make it. Get made, Eddie out of here. It's not even my team, and I want him away from the Panthers. I don't want him get, in the city. I don't want him renting an apartment in South End. Don't want it. Get him out yeah. of here. Yeah, his knees were knocking when he went out there, and that 15 yards just it took Ridiculous. him over the top. Ridiculous. Stop blaming DJ Moore. It's his fault. Sorry, Guru. Go to the I agree. Second. I agree. I, I think DJ made a play. I ain't, I ain't going to blame him. I'm just saying he played with, he was a little bit more emotional. Man, seven yard pass. You worried about taking the freaking helmet off. And it was the wrong call. If we actually go back and look, it was the wrong call. The referees made I agree. blaming a guy for a referee making an error. How does the referee get blamed? And how does the kicker get a pass? Make yeah. him make him take the long way home. Make him I take agree. the long way around 285, go up 75 to Chattanooga and take 40 across through the freaking the mountains to get back to Charlotte. That's what how, he needs how to do. do you, how does an official that big of a play? How do you call that penalty? He wasn't he wasn't mocking anybody else. He wasn't taunting anybody else. I thought that was a terrible call, like you said, Grace. Sorry. So I just hate, right, I just hate that. I'm not a Panthers fan, so I don't get to talk to people. I'm sorry, Guru. I'm taking up precious time, but I need to get out there. DJ Moore was not wrong. Give me a T-shirt. Hey, no, it don't bother me. Uh, I'm I'm glad to call you two men, my brothers. Uh, here we go. Question number two coming right back at you, Coach Sam Griner. Uh, what do your eyes? Tell you about the playoff seedings, over or underrated? What do you think? Um, you're talking about like 4A, 3A, 2A, 1A, the, the seedings? Whoever you want. Um, well, I think um, RPI. Any team, any team seated. Uh, I mean, any – I don't know. I'm just reading the question the way it's written. What do your eyes tell you about any the playoff seedings? Who is over or underseated based off the eye test? Uh, it's, uh, I mean, there's a lot. There's, there's tons of teams. High school teams. Tons of teams, 3A and 4A, that are like, you know, seatedly – differently based upon where they finished in the conference. I think that you got your champions. It should just be strictly champions. They shouldn't just do strictly RPI. There's got to be some type of strength of schedule. I've been saying it for years. I feel like every or two years now, but strength of schedule has got to play a, a, some type of aspect in this whole deal because you won't have certain teams having a 10 seat and they're dominant teams. I mean, like even independence, what are they seated right now? Eighth or seventh or something like that? There's no way they should be sitting at eight. I mean, they've earned their keep. <laughs> they played unbelievable. They lost one game all year, you know, but, you know, neither here or there. That's okay, Grant. I know you had a busy day getting ready for your, your playoff, you know, game against Stuart Kramer because the question actually asked specific teams. So I took the five minutes that it took to look at the bracket and came up with two easy teams. First, I'll, I'll go with actually our potential second round match or our matchup with the, our other second round game, Marvin Ridge. They had four games without Evan Metters, who definitely is one of the best Union County quarterbacks, yeah. one of the best quarterbacks in the area. So even their, their ranking, I think they're 20, I think they're like 24th, whatever the specific number is. They got Weddington, a team that they only lost to by three points three days ago 
and they've got to play them again. I think Weddington got a raw deal because they seeded a team that played four games without their starting quarterback. I think that's the one to me that's there. I look at Dudley even. I mean, they're only a six seed and they had two losses. Griner, one of those losses, they only played half a game and it stopped because someone got stabbed. They didn't even lose the game. They, they played <laughs> I, half I, a game. They said, well, we're done. You, you, and you they're past the champions. Past champions should have some type of capability that goes into the fold. I, I mean, you, you get you get to, that's what I'm saying. So they got a, they got one of their losses that way. Oh, and that was all in the beginning of the season. They haven't lost a game, I think, since, you know, we've been hanging out in shorts and T-shirts by the beach. So you got to talk about a team that's been winning multiple, you know, win, winning games, six, seven games, if I'm not mistaken. Quarterback we had on Grice's Gems has been performing. So those two teams for me, I think, are show that they've been, you know, seated incorrectly. And I think it's going to be tough for the teams that they're playing. No doubt. I totally agree. I see what you're saying. I need to read the big, bold letters that over underrated anything that sticks out. But I agree with you. I think those two teams are definitely something that, you know, I would raise an eyebrow about as well. And uh, I, I, I can see that question to you right there. You finally got one in about three years now. Finally. I'll try. <laughs> All right. Uh, final question right here. Uh, and, and man, I just love this segment. Love uh, being on here with my two brothers. Um, Football fights before and after games, and you know we're looking at it. You know, Alcorn, Alcorn State, Mississippi Valley State, Michigan, Michigan State. How should the punishments be handled by these schools, conferences, or the police? I mean, uh, what, what do we have? Yep, I've got a very simple, you know, math here. Again, if it's a if it's an altercation that occurs before the game or during the game, it needs to be on the field situation that handles it, and ultimately by you know by the conference because it's something that occurs either on the way to starting the game or on the game. If it's something within the tunnel or off of the field of play, that's at a minimum a conference situation, if not the police if a more serious infraction occurs. I think you look at the situation with Michigan State and Michigan, that is not something that resembles football. That's something that resembles something that you would see you know, with a club fighter on the street or something, you know, some behavior that's heinous such as, as that. That to me needs to be a police matter because that's something that doesn't involve guys getting ready to play a game. You're mad because something that's happened and you've taken this beyond what, what's, you know, beyond the means of, of football. That was a sickening video. Again, it's a situation where something more serious could occur because if you hit one of my, grab one of my brothers or do something like that, we're going to take it to a point to where we're going to need police intervention. So I think if it's something within the field of play that needs to be handled by the referees in the game and potentially the conference, but if you start getting into stuff off of the field of play, you need to take that and treat that as a manner that with something that happened off of the field of play, and that involves the police. Yeah, definitely. Anytime you have thing off the field, police need to be involved. You know, we need to have something to regulate, especially that Michigan, Michigan State. I mean, that's just that's just stupid. What's going on? I mean, legal things need to happen, jail time, uh, fines, the whole deal. Um, but I think on the field, there's a little bit different aspects. Uh, the one thing I like to see change is I've seen teams, and I've been a part of a team that was involved in an altercation on the field and the whole team had to forfeit their playoffs where not one team, the one side of the team didn't throw one punch. What they did was you had some four or five people that left the bench area to grab their guys and bring them back. But by the, the law of the land, it's uh, if you clear the bench, it's more than four or five guys, your team is penalized not being able to go to the playoffs. There's some rules that's black and white that needs to be go to more of a gray area and to be able to look at. We have so many cameras and things that we need to be able to change some type of deals. Now, if someone's throwing punches or doing something, I know we're trying to keep, you know, we're trying to eliminate the big, big brawl that no one can stop. I get that aspect, and we got to scare people. But there's certain situations that we need to be able to address where 
the gray area does get involved and it's not necessarily a black and white issue where, oh, that team's suspended and taken out for the whole year. Someone individually fights, yes, let's take care of that. They're done for the year or suspended within the game, regulation, three games or conference, whatever rule. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Hey, great segment, man. Uh, always been okay. proud to be on this segment with y'all. Been the highlight of my What career. is Dale? Dale's doing his video game button pushing again. Poking, poking, poking. No, I'm I'm talking about the chat. Poking, poking, poking. You got, we need to like, put the chat. We need to put the chat oh, up. Patreon, we need a Patreon. We need Actually, Patreon. Yeah, we need, no, we need to put the chat up on the side of the screen. While the Patreon. Oh, you, I, I'm, yeah. you know, anything I say, I stand on. I love it. Hey, I will stand on anything I say. Guys, so. guys, Me too. I, Guys, I got to sit in the back this whole show and just watch. And it's it's a you, you guys are truly amazing. I mean, Chris and Grace hosting the show. Jack, Chris, you were dead on Jay Larry. That dude, that dude is yeah. super dope. He, he's incredible. Um, you know, having Chris and Grace, so I think the, the two foremost authorities in high school football uh, is, is impressive. It, it was just a great show tonight, guys. So I, I appreciate that. But I, Sam, Sam, you, you got a fan before I put you in your, in your little. His one. mom. I got no, no, no. no my no, mom. No, no, no. Sam, Sam has a fan. Sam has a fan. There we go. Ah, uh, that's my mama right there. Yeah. 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 That great story. You know, Thanks uh, I'll yeah. my final segment, I'll, I'll talk about the cool little story that my mom was involved in on Friday. So um, if you want me to, I'll go ahead and talk about it. 30 seconds. All 30 right. Seconds. It's 9.50. Okay. No doubt. No doubt. Well, um. So, you know, we did a pink out, we did a pink out game this past Friday. You know, the guys represent, I think it's the color of a warrior. I uh, lost my sister to cancer, you know, uh, many, many years ago and uh, yeah. still haunts us today because you think about those things. When my mom asked to wear a jersey, yeah. um, so, and she wants to wear it over a sweatshirt. So I gave her one of the bigger jerseys, number 53, one of our linemen, never played defense a day in his life yeah. uh, this entire year. And uh, we were down in the game by one point and we were struggling. And uh, she throws a good little prayer. She's like, Deanna, and that's who we lost to cancer, my sister and her daughter. And uh, number 53, we put in on defense. Two plays later, he strip sacks the guy and runs for about 50 yards. And uh, my mom would call that a God wink. And uh, I thought that was really cool because she supports me to no other. She brings my kids to the games. Um, you know, I'm 40 years old, but she'll still love me like I'm, you know, a 10-year-old son. She tries to support me in every way she can. To be able to see her at West Charlotte games and bringing my kids, it means a lot to me. I don't, I don't give her enough credit for all she does. And it was great to see her get a God wink in herself, you know, representing that uh, cancer week, you know, you know, wearing the pink uniforms. And uh, she was able to wear one and it made a big impact, number 53. I didn't know you were going to do your last word in that little part there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That was all I was just trying to do. <laughs> right. to give you your last word. Yeah. You guys have been a great show. Like I said, I, I enjoyed it in the back. Um, you guys are very impressive. Break down the East and West. And I hope, you know, fans enjoy that. I know how hard it is. And I know how much work that you guys, specifically Grice and Chris and, and Jack and Cameron, put into this tonight. And, they, and they, everybody, Dale, everybody um, put into it. So I appreciate hey, it. So can I say one thing? Um, yeah. I know recently we've, we've either taken criticism or credit for our picks. And yeah. I just want all the fans out there to know that we don't pull for anybody. No. Uh, I pulled for West Charlotte. I'm not going to lie. But. Yeah, well, you don't make picks. <laughs> you don't make picks. But those of us on the panel that make the picks, you know, we just try to make a basically an educated guess.
You pick one or the other. Somebody's going to be mad at Somebody's going to be mad no matter who you pick. So Gary, if I pick somebody and they lose, but it was a great game, I feel yeah. good for that team that won, even yeah. though I lost in the picks. I, I don't care. Yeah. Gary, I got a question for you. You do such a good job asking those questions on Coach versus Coach. Here's my question for you. He's shown enough for me in, in that how the players are playing hard and they're in every game. Mm. But and, and this is just, you know, based on my knowledge of how they select coaches and the NFL, uh, unless he wins six games, mm -hmm. I don't see him getting the job uh, full time because I just think the Panthers in their history, they've always had a defensive coach. Mm. You know, Capers was defense. Seifert mm -hmm. was defense. Yeah. Fox was defense. Rivera was defense. Uh, Rivera was defense. And I mm -hmm. just think they want to break that mold of getting a – and Wilkes is defense. Yeah, I just defense. think they want to break that mold and get an offensive guru because offense sells tickets. And Don't me out on this, Gary. Find your OC. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Why don't we – if Steve Wilkes does the job he can do, he's managing and people are playing hard, which – I think he's great. I mean, I love the season. I do too. I, think he's a, I, do too. You know, I think he can go out and find an offensive coordinator. Yeah. But I just think, you know, that the NFL is a copycat league. And, and I just think right that now, well, let's, let's let's change it and let's be the innovators or something. All right. When let's is the something. but the Panthers aren't copycat? Look at what we're doing. Look well, what yeah, look at the player that we shipped out west and and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> blows up. I mean, we have we have what the <laughs> richest, we, have, we have. Listen, do we have the richest? Three, three of them, right, Grace? Three of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do we? We have the richest owner in NFL, correct? Well, it's the guy in Denver now because he's he's one of them Walmart people. So yeah, one of the yeah one of the richest. So why don't we break the mold, okay? And if it works out, like Steve's the guy, okay. What we do is we pay an offensive coordinator, so you don't have to worry about game management. I think Steve. If he proves himself well that he's a great game manager of like the time restraints, because like Dallas Cowboys still ain't figured that thing out. You know what yeah. I mean? That's like one job for the head coach to do is yeah. time management. Yeah. How you gonna do the four minute, the two minute? Use your timeouts wisely. The whole deal. I mean, we got a guy to ship somebody off to the Arizona Cardinals. He didn't like it the way he was going. He got rid of the defense coordinator because he felt like he was connected to the other coach. I think he's making decisions where it's making the team, you know, excel, and he's already making those decisions on the fly, not just coasting with it. He's trying to make a difference. Now, why don't we break the mold and pay an OC $5 million a year? What OC makes $5 million a year? Well, we can get one that can do that. Why not break the mold and just say, look, we want the best OC there is. You might not got a head coaching job. Now you're going to get to uh, Kansas City. You can have the best OC in the world. If you don't have that quarterback, it's not going to work. Now, I don't know that's if that's that's saying, not, not We've had good OCs. But I'm talking about, like, you know, you're trying to tell me that – I just don't think we overall have Coach Belen as a Belenemy. How do you say it? The Kansas City uh OC. The enemy. All right, so let's do like check this out. He wants to get a head coaching job. All right. Yeah. Well, the the, the stigma on him is that his head coach is an offensive guru, correct? Well, all of a sudden, yeah, the enemy doesn't call the plays. That's the, the excuse. Stigma on him is he doesn't call the plays. Andy Reid calls the plays. And like I said, I didn't say we have. I said hey, listen, we right, have. Black. Gotcha. Wait, wait, say, He's black. Wait, say, Oh, he's back. <laughs> no, why, why, why don't like 
why wouldn't he take why would he take it? Why would he not take an opportunity? Yeah. Why would he take an opportunity? Like say he's making $1.8 million a year. Yeah. Carolina Panthers offer him $4.5 million a year to be the OC. Now he's leaving a program where he can potentially be a Super Bowl, but he's going to prove his self-worth because the head coach is a defensive minded guy. If Steve Wills works out, now you're going to show it is your show. Now the next step from you will be, I will be a head coach because it is your show because they can't hey, just say, hey, Sam, hey, coach an offensive guy. Sam, I love yeah. your idea, and you don't have to convince me. I <laughs> want Steve to get the job. You yep. got to convince Tepper. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying Tepper, he's a brilliant thinker. Right. Like, let's change the mold. Let's right, pay guys, no I'm gonna, we're going to get done before two hours later. I'm, I'm right, my, bad. my bad. My bad. Hey. <laughs> we're going to get out of here. David Ford, stop. We had a great debate tonight, David. Thanks for watching. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for all you got. 348 of y'all still watching, which is nuts. Um, we great show tonight. That's Gary. That's Grice, number two voice guys for football. That's Sam Grind, the head coach of Charlotte. That's Cameron Williams to get the good the guru in training. They are Ross, one of the longest uh, tenured CMS followers I know of, and I'm Langston Works, and we are talking preps. FS1, 9:30 tomorrow, PM.